No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. And after tonight, no show uh, for a while. I don't know when the hell it's coming back. But this is the conclusion of the four-day marathon of shows here on BOA Audio, making up for lost time. And I want to make sure I mention this, because I thought of this last night, and I thought to myself, you're going to forget this when you start that show tomorrow. But I actually (laughs) just remembered if you, I don't know how these podcasting things work, which is amazing because I've been podcasting for over a decade. But I don't know how the like when you get the shows. So if you're getting the shows, we haven't put them on the feed yet. This is really bizarre. But if you're getting the shows and you're listening to this one now, go and listen to the Zabel episode first. Listen to the marathon of shows in a row because chances are things can carry over from one show to the next. If you start with this one and go backwards, you know it's not going to make any sense. So, like I said, I don't know how this shit's going to download. So, what a weird way to start a show. Anyway, we're, 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 don't listen to this one. Listen to the one from four days ago. But that's, you know, whatever. Welcome to another edition of Banal of America Audio. Fourth day in a row. Big guest tonight on the program. He's actually wanted to be on the show for quite some time. I'll ask him why. I have no idea why he's wanted to be on this show for so long. But he's wanted to for quite some time. And he's done some really interesting research. And when I was down in Dallas... Uh, Red Pill Junkie and Joshua Cutchin and Micah Hanks were just huge champions of this guy. And I'm like, yeah, I know who he is. He wants to be on my show so bad, I'm scared. I don't know what kind of what kind of crazy person wants to be on Banal of America that bad. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would uh, have me as a member. So it's I don't know what kind of person wants to be on my show. But they're like, no, 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 Mike Clellan, Mike Clellan, he's awesome, he's awesome. So finally, once I got back and started putting together this marathon of shows, I knew that uh, Mike Clellan had to be one of them. So... I've already said his name several times, of course. He's author Mike Cleland. His book is The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. And it's got a lot of people talking in the world of ufology. I believe it's uh, from the Rich Dolan imprint, or whatever you call it, publishing house. So I know Rich was really bullish about it when it came out. And uh, I've heard a lot of interesting things. And like I said, uh, three people that I really respect, Red Pill Junkie, The Kutch, and Micah Hanks were Really, really bullish on Mike Clellan. So I was like, let's get this guy on the show. He wants to be on the show. Put him on the show. What's wrong with you, Banal? So with all that said, finally, welcome to Banal of America, Mike Clelland. Thank you. So it's, I'm here. Yeah, finally. Why the hell did you want to be on the show so bad? Well, I published this book. I'm like in shameless self-promotion mode. I, you know, I've got to eat. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking... Oh, Jesus. 
Well, uh, you've already you're already more honest than a uh, healthy percentage of previous guests, so you're you're good. Well, welcome to the show, man. Like I said, uh, it, it's all it's all on me. I, I'm uh, when you, you we talk about this off the year. When you're in the podcasting realm, it's like you, you don't know you don't know who wants to be on your show. And then I had like this OCD where once someone asks to be on the show, then I'm like, ah, now that you've asked, I don't want to ask you. It's it's like a, it's like a high school dance or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just to be, you know, like to come clean here, what I did is I wrote like what a nice, tidy, formal letter and sent it off to you. And then uh, I never got a reply. And I was like, well, I don't wonder if you got it. Maybe you didn't get it. Maybe I used the wrong email address. And I tried another email address and I probably used the same one anyway and then sent it off again. I probably did that, you know, more than a few times. And so, you know, so I reckon and I have my own podcasting, so I do know exactly the feeling when someone is a little on the pushy side. Um, I and, counted uh, and folks I realized, 35 times. Thirty-five? What? No, I'm just. <laughs> just a joke. No, yeah, I may have. Yeah, thirty-five. It might have been no, thirty-five no, no. emails back and forth trying to set this up, but yeah, not thirty-five <laughs> of my pleas. Probably uh, no, four. I, I, I'm just messing with you. Um, anyway, so tell us a little bit. You're actually. It's kind of interesting because uh, I'm excited about this in a lot of ways. The, the four shows here in a row that you're the first guest we've had on uh, this week that hasn't uh, been on the show before. So I get to dig into my old bag of tricks and start out with the. Uh, the bio, the backgrounds. Tell us a little bit about who is Mike Cleland. Uh, let me make sure I get the blog actually mentioned in here, too, so folks can check it out. i got a pretty good idea. I want to make sure you are all right. Hiddenexperience.blogspot.com, right? Correct. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if there was a the at the beginning of that. But give us the bio, the no. background. Who is Mike Cleland? Uh, don't dive right into the messengers just yet. Uh, you know, maybe you can tease us about sort of what sparked all that, because I've I, it feels like a very personal journey. So if I ask who is Mike Clellan, we may we may get the whole uh, rundown in one shot. So give us sort of the background, how you ended up sort of uh, embarking on this trail. Jeez. Okay. Um, uh, uh, so I'm 53 and and 53 years old, and and uh, you turn the clock back about a decade. There was a point when I was kind of thinking, you know, there's going to become a point. I'm going to have to look into some of these memories that I have. And there's a handful of memories, some of my detail in the book, all of them I detail in the blog, um, you know, that have to do with some missing time and seeing a UFO, what seemed like fairly close up. And then uh, this happened when I was a boy. And then as a young man, I guess I was 30, um, you know, I had a sighting out my window in, when I was living in Maine, I was alone in a house in Maine and, and woke up in the middle of the night and looked out the window and saw, um, you know, what I can only say would be five gray aliens. Now, so, you know, that, that those memories had kind of, you know, been simmering below the surface, let's say. Like, I was very well aware of them, and I started reading UFO books when I was around 30 and, uh, you know, got really into it. And, then, you know, there came a point when that's all I read, you know, and, and, and then... Uh, you know, I just very, you know, I understood the implication of those, of those events. Um, you know, up until that point, I had been doing illustration work. I had been working for an outdoor school, teaching um, camping skills and climbing skills. Uh, I'd lived in New York City, working in ad agencies, and I'd lived out west as a ski bum, uh, you know, out in the Rocky Mountains. So I kind of had this kind of, I don't want to say schizophrenic side of me, but, I, you know, I definitely jumped around from these extremes. Okay. All right. Um, it's interesting. You just. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say it's interesting. I don't. 
I haven't really. I, I can't recall really. Uh, I couldn't really make a comparison, I guess, in a way. But at least on a personal level, it's. Uh, I just find it interesting. You got. You sort of got into all this, uh, the paranormal part of it all. Like when you're in your thirties, it's. Uh, uh, maybe that will connect later to like previous uh, life experiences or something. But it's just interesting uh, when you think about it, because uh, you know you sort of came into this a little bit. It's crazy. It sounds like a little bit later in in life, in a sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I think I did well, and except that you know, I guess as a kid, you know, I dug. You know, it was like the perfect age to see. Oh, you know, to see Close Encounters when it came out, and I was a perfect age to like really, you know watch and dig uh, in search of with Leonard Nimoy, you know, so yeah, I must yeah. have been about 14 when that came out and that was just great. I love that. And um, so, yeah, so I was kind of primed in a way, you know, kind of mm. science fiction comic book fan and such. Okay. So what you were saying, so you just kind of got into it after having sort of a vagabond lifestyle living around. It wasn't really a vagabond, but I don't know what you'd call that, but like a, like a, like a travel, guess, you know, yeah. traveled around to different things and eclectic yeah, life, yeah, yeah. let's say. Yeah, and then uh, you know, uh, so in around 2006, which is 10 years ago now, I had a bunch of experiences. Um, that one of them that opens the book, um, and this is where the owl thing comes in. You know, like I had a bunch of experiences, and this is like at the same point that you know, like the you know when a pressure cooker is kind of like getting ready to hiss and steam and blow off steam. You know, this is the same point in my life when I was uh, feeling the Oh, the uh, you know the the need to look into my own experiences, these memories, you know, like these memories. You don't have to you don't have to read too many books by Bud Hopkins to clearly see that some of the things in my life play out as you know clues to probable abduction events. So, um, and as I started, as I you know the 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 steam was heating up, and I was I recognized that I was going to need to look into this, and I wanted to deny it. I wanted to push it away. Um, it was right around that time that I started seeing all these owls, and that was the, huh. and that was in a way the genesis of my uh, or where the foundation of of, of uh, you know me getting into this. Hmm. So what made you connect? I guess let's get into the owls. That's the big, this is the, you know, I hesitate. I, I feel bad in a way because uh, I don't want you to be like the owl right guy. No, I am I the owl guy. So it's I know, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'll tell you a story I later. I, I, can, I know how to do other things. I know how to, you know, I <laughs> yeah. can teach cross-country skiing and I, can, I know how to build an igloo and I'm a good illustrator and stuff like that. So I got other skills under my belt, but um, yeah, for, <laughs> yeah, for the next two you hours, know, I, yeah. I think I'm going to be trapped in the owl guy thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about you. There's some kind of like uh, Dateline NBC story that uh, culminates with an owl story in it, and I was watching it like uh, <laughs> this year at some point, and I'm like, oh, no, uh, Mike Clellan's got to hear about this crazy story, this this crazy owl story. So anyway, tell me how – give me the rundown, man. Tell me how this all connects. What's you're, you're, It's building up inside of you, which is really interesting, actually, because something we've been talking about on the show last couple nights is this idea that uh, – this internal conflict breeds these events. Um, but yours comes from a, you know, a paranormal place, which is different kind of what, from what I was theorizing uh, last couple of nights. But So this is building up when you see these owls and what happens. What, what This is the genesis for what has become, you know, this journey for you as the owl guy. So what? tell us how this all comes together. Okay, so uh, 10 years ago, 2006, um, I was living out west in the Rocky Mountains, 
and um, I met this young woman, and it was like I, she worked at the same school I did. She didn't do any of the outdoor work I did. She was working in town in the office, and um, got to talking. I had been away all summer up in Alaska where I had been working, and I, you know, and got to talking with her. And I said, "Oh, you've been here all summer." And says, "I live right by Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming." Nice. And uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. So I said, "Oh, you must have done a lot of camping." She said, "No, I didn't camp at all. None." It's like you're kidding. That's terrible. You you live right here. Like it's right out your back door. You, you haven't gone camping. And I and I said, "Let's go." So she said, "Sure." And then um, this would have been in September. Pretty sure it was September. And uh, went off into the mountains and just for one night, you know. And so I knew the weather. I knew the weather patterns. I you know I knew the temperatures. So we didn't carry much. Didn't carry a tent because it was just sleep out under the stars. These beautiful clear nights. So. Um, walking into the mountains, it's a total stranger when you get right down to it. It's like a yeah. you know, first date, a complete stranger. And um, she, Was this like, uh, uh, I hate to be that guy, but was this like a romantic thing, or were you just like just being friendly, or what's, what's uh, like just, just the color of the mood of this situation here? Yeah, you know, it wasn't romantic. It was, I was being friendly. It was just a, you know, it was, I was much older than she was, so, you know. Oh, was, okay, yeah, right, it, so. So, and it was just one of these things where it was like, you know, I say to someone, like, oh, God, you, you got to get out in the mountains, and then you know, then she says, okay, I'll go. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. So, nice, um, nice. and it's a, you know, the ski town and stuff like that. That's actually pretty normal, you know, to, to do that kind of thing. So you're the kind um, of friend that I need that someone's like, we got, you should go camping. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, but I'm never going to do anything about it. And then they're like, all right, dude, I set it all up. And then I'm like, oh shit. Awesome. So I appreciate okay, like you. Go. Are great. Let's now go, I, <laughs> maybe, maybe, but go on. So you and her are out camping. So we, so we go, um, you know, so one night, and, and I got this little camp stove, um, and I'm sitting on a big flat rock, and we've hiked in in the afternoon. Just doesn't take long with a light pack. You can hike in a bunch of miles, you know. And so by the time the sun was setting, we were pretty deep into the mountains and in this beautiful spot and on this big flat rock, and I was making um, dinner just on a little camp stove. I don't know what it was, but I'm a good cook in that kind of situation. So, um, And we're talking, and she says something that really impresses me, right? You know, so I'm like, wow. I didn't expect this. And, you know, like all of a sudden I was struck by this is, this is someone smart. This is someone with some depth. And right at that moment, an owl flies over and then a second owl and then a third owl. So as the sun sets and the moon rises and the, you know, the trillions of stars come out, um, you know, these owls are flying over us. You know, we eat dinner and these owls are flying over us. They're landing on branches near us, three owls. And then we actually lay down in our, backs and look up at the stars and and uh you know this goes on for a couple hours so by the time we actually lay down under the stars you know the the sky will momentarily get blotted out for like a, just one second and these owls are flying right above our faces Jesus. it's really cool really mystical and um and it and it feels it, it feels really you know powerful so um you know that, that was cool. It was a neat experience. And so a few days later, I say, listen, I'm going to, if I do this, I'm going to, I'm going to go camping again at some point. Maybe you should come along. She says, okay. So four days later, I call her up and I say, I'm going out one more time. And she says, great. And so we go to a different spot of the mountains altogether. It's a little colder this time. So, so uh, we have a shelter. It looks like it might rain. And so the tent is set up and, and then there comes a point when uh, I, I, um, you know, we're about to climb in the tent. It's cold and chilly and kind of like whatever it feels 
So I'm like, listen, that's what we should do. We should see that hill over there. Let's walk to the top of that hill. Let's watch the sunset, turn around and come back and get in the shelter. And then that walk up and down the hill will warm up and it won't be as cold and chilly climbing in the tent. She goes, great. So we walk to the top of the hill. We get to the top of the hill. As soon as we get to the top of the hill, an owl lands in a branch right near us. And then a second owl lands in the ground near us. And then a third owl you know, flies around us. This goes on for about a half hour until it gets dark. And, um, you know, they are much closer than they were four days earlier. And I also have to say that they were much, I don't know, it's just like to have it happen once was pretty wild. And, but to have it happen twice within four days really, you know, really kind of freaked me out. Yeah. And, um, and so, so, you know, afterwards I was looking into every kind of like, you know, what's the owl mythology? What's the owl totem? What's the Native American say? What's the mythology of it? You know, and at the same time, and this is something I didn't tell when I initially told these stories, but I'm telling it now and it's in the book. And, and I, at the same time, I was, I had this voice in my head. I was looking at these owls, these real owls. And I was saying to myself, or the voice in my head was saying, this has something to do with the UFOs. This has something to do with the UFOs. So along with the, you know, research into the owl totems and stuff like that, I started looking into my own experiences. I started looking into whether I was, you know, what these contact events may have been and what they imply. Um, there came a point in 2009 when I started a blog. And initially the blog was just synchronicities, and I've had a lot of them. That's one of the words in the title of the book. And uh, and it, they made for they make for really good blog posts, right? You know, short, and they got a little punchline. And, and uh, so... Uh, that was the, initially that's what I put on, and one of the stories I put on, in, or in the blog, uh, the very first day of its incarnation, was the story I just told us now. This this night under the stars with this woman, Kristen. Um, you know these two camping trips, but but after I posted it, there was something that was bugging me, and I wanted to get a hold of her. So I got a hold of her, and I called her up, and I said, you know, Kristen, what, you know what were you saying that first night when we saw those first owls, which I remember clearly being impressed and she said um, she said oh I remember exactly what I was saying I was talking about the deepest I was talking about my deepest definition of what God meant to me and and that one statement in a way you know kind of pushed me over the cliff in a way because it was it just made this already mystical experience just absolutely transcendent in a lot of ways so yeah. what that did so yeah, from so from that point on, I took the UFO research very seriously, and then everyone I talked to, you know, I would kind of say, hey, just I gotta ask, and have it, have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? And they would say things like, oh, funny, you should ask, and then they would tell me this really unusual story. And then after that, the blog, I started cataloging all the stuff on the blog. Little by little, I started sharing my own UFO experiences in the blog, and then um, eventually there, there there was enough kind of momentum there where my where like if you anywhere in the world sat down at a computer and typed in, you know, owls, UFOs into Google, my name would come up and it would come up like <laughs> the first so you're the seven guy. times. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened is like if anyone, someone in New Zealand sees an owl and, and a UFO at the same time, they, 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 they question it, they Google it, they contact me. And so I've just started receiving story after story after story. And it got to be crazy after a while. So yeah. I just I was cataloging all these stories. I was asking people these questions, and it was, and it and it turned into um, initially it turned into an online essay, and then eventually it turned into a big fat book. Hmm. That is 
The Messengers. Right? That's the book, yeah, The Messengers, yes. So what do you – I'm wrapping my mind around this now. Uh, I luck, remember the yeah. story I told you. I, I read uh, as much as I could about the subject here. He sent me uh, – folks, Mike sent me a ton of stuff, so kudos to him. But he, he, overwhelmed, <laughs> he overwhelmed me. There's so more I, stuff than yeah, whatever. You need a year to, to, to really catch up, yeah. Um, so I got a pretty good idea about this, but what do you, I know that it's like, it's all speculative. So like, what, what do you think this means? Do you think that, because my impression, my, I guess my takeaway from the very little I know of this, um, is that maybe these things, uh, are like, like you, like you say is the title, like messengers. There's a message to these things. And uh, the reason why is because they're so – they're kind of like undeniable in a way. Like you don't really – you're pretty sure you, you, when you see an owl, you know what I mean? It's like a pretty distinct thing that you can all yeah. – like whatever would want to use it as a message could get away with, you know what I mean? It's like people aren't seeing lions and shit because it wouldn't make any sense. But well, an they owl could be, They is, could be seeing it with lunchboxes and stuff, yeah. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, does this owl thing apply to that too? Like owl iconography that people are also seeing in these instances? Or you do mean real actual? Oh yeah, no, uh, I got a lot of stories where people see like owl lunchboxes or owl T-shirts or you know, you know. So yeah, so you know, we're living in a society where it's you know it's kind of hard to see an owl properly because owls come out at night. So it's you know, and then uh, so sure, yeah. So we got owl you know, T-shirts and owl commercials mm. and stuff like that. Usually somewhere in the mix there's, there's a real howl, but what, what, you know, the, um, so, you know, my point is, I guess is, so, you know, I got a lot of stories. Like here's a like simple, straight story. I got a bunch of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a guy was camping in the desert. He looks up at a, he's lying with his friend. They're lying on their backs, looking up at the stars. They, they, all of a sudden an owl lands on a, on a, a cactus right near him. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. They both get this weird vibe. Like, ooh, it's kind of sinister. Owls are kind of intimidating. The thing flies off. Hmm. Moments later, a triangle UFO flies over. And, and uh, silently, silently. So I have that story, not that exact story, but that story in in one form or another over and over and over and over and over. And, and you know, almost always the the owl shows up before the UFO uh, I got a few examples of the UFO showing first and then the owl showing up. And, um, but mostly, and so, and then, uh, you know, also people who like, you know, abductees will, will tell of, you know, they'll say, yeah, during a point of high contact, and I was having a lot of experiences. There was a lot of activity in my life at that time. I would get up in the morning, I'd walk out of the house and be an owl on the branch right outside my house. And I'd go to work and I'd come back and the owl would still be there. It was there for a month. I was, you know, this during this whole period of like what I felt like was high contact with these, you know, uh, yeah. these UFO occupants. So, you know, my sense is, you know, like I don't know, like when when you have a UFO event, you know, who do you call? Do you call MUFON and have them come in? You know, say like what time was it? You know, like how where was it? What direction were you looking? You know, if you held a nickel at arm's length, how big would it be? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah or do exactly. you call the shaman? You know, do you call the shaman in and have them ask? You know, like, you know, you know, what were you thinking? What was going on in your life? How has your life changed? Who you know, knows a shaman? So, <laughs> say again? I wouldn't, how do you, who, who knows a shaman? I wouldn't be able to call a shaman if I, I needed a shaman. Some, 
<laughs> well, you write a book on owls, and I believe me, I know a bunch of shamans at this point. So. Uh, well, yeah. If I, Actually, next time I need, a, if I ever need a shaman, I will contact you. But yeah, no, I, okay, I we'll see what camping. you're saying. We'll like, take him camping with us. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, you're gonna get me mixed up in an Adam Davies Bigfoot portal story here. But uh, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because it's like, well, what could this is a, this is a mystical, possibly mystical event, although. Hearing you talk about it, I'm trying to like unravel this as you as you get deeper into this. So forgive me, you know, because I'm like a, I'm like a figure outer in a lot of ways, or at least I'll sort of posit ideas, which I'm sure you've probably already considered uh, through all the years of looking at this. But when you say like they show up and then they leave, and the UFO shows up, part of me wonders if that's just some kind of either some kind of like scout system, maybe that they use. Like I said, because they can't. If, if like a lion walked across the backyard, then they people would freak out. But if they saw an owl in a tree, they they would be like, "Oh, it's an owl," you know. And then next thing you know, the well, UFO comes. So who knows? So yes. Yeah, so so on one level, the owl would be the perfect thing, you know, for like a for like a UFO occupant, you know, for an alien intelligence to co-opt, right? You know. Right. So right. I mean, do they put a little implant in the owl, or do they just do it do it with psychic means, you know? Right. So I just have this image of you know, the little gray alien sitting in front of his view screen on, on the UFO, you know, sort of hidden off in the, you know, in infinity somewhere. But he can look through the little view screen with his little joystick and, and you know, aim that owl to fly around. And there's no better animal on Earth, right? It's got night vision, see perfectly in the dark. You know, it's got really good hearing, probably the best hearing of any animal on Earth. So, you know, you can like sit outside a closed window and hear every word in, in the house. Um you know, it's not, it can be, uh, it flies totally silently, right? So it can be super stealthy. So yeah, so if for that for that reason, the owl showing up would be the perfect, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, you know, uh, uh, organic drone that's that's being co-opted by the, the, uh, the UFO occupants. Exactly. Like a stealth, like a, like a real stealth drone, in a sense. Yeah, and a stealth drone that, that if you, you know, whatever that it... That 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 obviously when you see an owl, and this is another thing that you know, so at this point, good grief, I don't know how many owl stories I've heard in the thousands at this point. It feels like, so and some of them aren't that exciting, right? So oh, I saw this owl on the side of the road when I was driving home from work. You know that I get that, you know. So, but even when someone sees an owl, they're kind of arresting. You know, they got a weird vibe to them. You know, and everyone recognizes it. My sense is that goes right back to the dawn of time. You know, like you'd hang around the cave with your, you know, your caveman buddies and and talk about like, oh, I saw an owl last night. It was really weird. Got a real vibe to it. You know, I think that they would say that the same way we say that today. Um, they just there's something arresting about the 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 the, the, the big eyes and and so. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely uh, like some like you said earlier. There's a sinister vibe to them. For sure. You had a picture of like this is going back. Excuse me. I think it's on your Facebook page. I think you even posted it on uh, on some like the Benal of America blog, where some you had some. It looked like a barred owl sitting on a, on a fence, and you said you took it in your backyard. You had like three or four pictures. Probably going back yeah, five years yeah. or so. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I think you must have said something to Leslie Gunter because Leslie Gunter said, uh, "My friend thinks that that's some kind of alien." It had to have been you. Uh, that was so, me. Yeah, I'm sure it was me. Yeah, so, and I don't yeah. think it's some kind of alien, and I never said. Well, that. yeah, I don't remember exactly concept. what she. Yeah, I, I was. I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me. She yeah, what five said. years ago? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought of you. I thought of that whole thing actually, because uh, when we were getting ready for the interview, I was like, I think I'm on that been... email thread or something like that, or whatever the comments or something. If it was a blog thing, so. I think it was in the forum. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So these owls. So. All right, I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to sort of, so 
you think there's some connection here between the owls and the UFOs? Oh, yeah. Um, I think there's a connection. I, I'm sure of it. I'm certain. What it is, I don't know. So all we can do is speculate sure. and guess around what it might be. Oh, okay. I, I've no. So, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I will say that. I feel with great certainty there is a connection between the owls and UFOs. And I say that because I've just immersed myself in the research. I don't know what it is. I may be, I may be wrong if I try to come to a conclusion, but I know there is a connection. So I feel, I feel, I feel, I can say that with absolute conviction. But it's damn near impossible to figure out what the connection is. The only people that know are the UFOs and the owls. And And neither one of them are talking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it's interesting. I mean, what, I'm sure you get a lot of flack because this is kind of like – I'm not discounting the theory. Don't get me wrong, so don't please don't take it that way. But it's like it has – it's so unique. Let's put it that way. It's different. You know what I'm saying? So like have you gotten much flack from people who are like, oh, you're just imagining this. You don't even – you know, you're putting – you're, you know, it's you're going down the synchronicity hole and that kind of thing where you see you see synchronicities everywhere and like maybe you're over overstating it or something. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you took this to one of those skeptic assholes, they wouldn't even talk about it because they'd be like, "Owls and UFOs, get the fuck out of here." You know what I mean? So what's your what's your sort of yeah. like? How do you grapple with sort of the the uniqueness of this and trying to to you know wrap your arms around it? Well, the, what, what emerges is that, I mean, the, the book is nearly 400 pages long, and it is just one right. story after another story after another, and they're all just kind of pointing to the same thing, you know, this, that somehow these owls are connected. And um, so, in a way, uh, you know, that's the proof, you know, you know like, the, the, for me, that's the proof, is just the, the research. I wish I could come up with a good, I got so many stories, I'm drawing a blank on a really good one that I could use as an example right now. Hmm, so, um Okay, yeah, I've got some the, good ones. Before. Okay. So, and then, and then, um, and then also in the book, I'm very clear that I'm mixed up. You know, like I think about when I first started getting into this. This would have back in back in the blog started in 2009, so right around that point. You know, like I was, my world came unraveled. I mean, I was, I was freaked out. I mean, I was so like here I am, like all of a sudden, like all the puzzle pieces are clicking together that imply that I've had UFO abduction experiences, right? At the same time, I'm seeing owls everywhere. You know, I'm just like, it's crazy. Like I'm, they're like, I, I'm, it's, it, there was a few years there where it was out of control. And, um, and I, my, I felt like my sanity was teetering on the, on the, on the edge there, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and I talk about this in the book. I mean, it was, it was a shaky point. And then there was people that I met in that point of my life that are like, have since met me again. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you seem so calm. And, and, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and no shit. I was, I was like, I was, I was functioning poorly. Let me just put it that way. And that was the genesis of the research in, in that, in that kind of frantic, mode. I mean, you know, the, 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 it's one thing to write a, you know, I mean, you've probably talked to more than a few people who claim the experience or thing, you know, the abductee thing. And, um, and I'm sure all of them give you, you know, say that it was really hard at one chapter of their life, the dark night, you know, so that was, and I don't, I don't shy away from that at all in the book. And I basically say like, you know, literally, I don't know what's going on. This is all I can do is tell the story as, as, uh, as a story. Right. And, and, and then I have to speculate a little bit about what it may mean, but I try to keep that, specula- uh, that speculation to a minimum and just let those stories, um, um, you know, uh, speak for themselves. Yeah, exactly. There you go. 
There you go. Now tell me, we've gotten into the owl part. Now talk about your personal experiences here because you we've only alluded to them so far. So it's I'm kind of like on this journey here with you. So you're you know, you you have this owl experience and you and you say to yourself this has to do with the UFOs. At the same time, you've got this internal tension building up inside of you to examine these memories, which we're going to presume have something to do with abductions, as we will find out later. Um, and then you dive into the owl thing, and you've amassed all this owl material, but you've left this piece missing so far from the narrative. So how, where do you go from there as a person trying to figure out your own, your own experience uh, situation? Okay, um, so that... that <laughs> I like the way you... No, no, this, you is, this is like, yeah, I can get six hours? That's kind of the answer I should give you. But it's like, we've got 90 minutes uh, left. We've gone quite... We've already done... A, we, you're doing great. You just talk. Just stretch your legs out, man. It's two hours, no commercials, okay. no subscriptions, no network, no rules. I can say I can do anything, so... And so I have a show tomorrow. We could always dribble over midnight, so don't worry about it. Um, okay. So, yeah, tell me, tell me this, because I want to understand the full okay, Mike Cloud. So, so uh, as a boy, as a 12-year-old boy, uh, I you know, had one memory very clear of walking home from a uh, high school football game with another kid. His, his name was also Mike. We get to a point in the sidewalk, right? It's a half a mile from us. Friday night, high school football game, autumn, beautiful. I want to be home in time to see Cole Sheck, the Night Stalker. It's on at 10 o'clock. I loved that show. I was... I was committed to being home in time to see that show. Now, I, I uh, get to the little point in the neighborhood, and all of a sudden there's this wild orange flash. Like the whole sky, boom, lights up orange, boom, clicks off. feels like God flips a light switch and flips it right back off. And, uh, uh, you know, we were both like, like, what was that? What just happened? It was really jarring. Was it a, like, was it a lightning? No, that doesn't make sense. It was totally silent. Was it like, was it like uh, you know, the telephone pole exploded like behind the house, you know, like, no, that didn't make sense either. You know, was it a meteor? No, that didn't make sense. So we went through the little checklist and nothing was making any sense. So uh, he lived a little deeper in the neighborhood. So I just, you know, uh, I got to my house, which was about, you know, half a block from where the flash thing was. And um, then I, uh, when I walked into the house and he had a few more blocks to go to get to his house. So I walked into the house. My parents were angry at me. Like, what are you angry at me for? And they're like, well, you can't be out that late. I'm like, it's not that late. It's 9.30. Cole Shack the Night Soccer is going to be on in about half an hour. And they're like, no, it is 11.30. You've, it's the 11 o'clock news is ending. This is oh, way no. before. But Hopkins, this is way before anything. I had no idea. It didn't make any sense to me. I was like, what? What? I missed my favorite TV show? I was, totally I was going to say, yeah, you'd be like, now you're just pissed. You don't care about the missing time. Yeah. You're like, there's no such thing as DVRs yet, Mom. How am I going to watch Cole Shack <laughs> now? No, I can watch it now because it's on Netflix. But um, you yeah, know, now so you I had can, to wait yeah, you know, watch. 45 years should... to get to that point. So. That was kind of a paranormal show, wasn't it, right? Oh, it's great. It was perfect. So, so, now, now here, so this is like. I mean, you should try and so figure out what episode things. it was that you missed. You know, I've actually tried to figure that out. Yeah, I good. actually have well, tried to figure that out. Same line, like, so. oh, could it have been this one? Could it have been that one? And so it's really difficult to pinpoint the exact date. You know, I could go back and I have not done this. If I, was, if I had like a staff of, uh, you know, people to take care of my daily needs i could you know go well if you could pinpoint it down to like a down. down to like a year and a month you probably could figure oh, it out. oh i got that for a year and a month yeah i mean it's definitely you should high, be able high to figure out when they yeah autumn, when they aired Friday night. yeah when they aired the shows yeah, yeah. but so anyway okay so, so between so october and november okay so you got about time, eight, eight the next next yeah. monday at school the the you know sitting around with the kids and 
And, uh, you know, I was in a little circle in the cafeteria and I, you know, we're all sitting there and my other friend, Mike was also there. And we just kind of say like, um, I say, Hey, you know, something weird happened. We saw something weird on Friday night. And he blurts out, yeah, we saw a UFO with lights and everything. Now here's the real quote, which I can't give. He said, yeah, we saw a UFO with fucking lights and everything. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's the direct quote. And I remember that very clearly. I remember my first thought in my mind is like, I never saw a UFO. Mm. What's he talking about? So, and he mentioned um, a UFO at the time when you guys were in the, in no. the experience. And that was it bravado? Was it just, you know, like little, little you know, 14-year-olds trying to, like, be out cool each other, you know? And so he made something yeah. up. I don't know. So. Now, uh, you know, so we also in that same time period, I saw a close-up UFO thing that I have drawn on the blog. And I actually had an initial drawing that I did that same night. I was with this friend, Kenny. We're looking out the bedroom window. I'm at a sleepover at his house. Would have been 1974. I feel pretty darn sure that's the year. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there came a point when we were looking out the bedroom window. And I, and I can't remember if it was him or me, but was, one of us said, look. And there was this thing that looked like a coffee can, a rotating coffee can in the nighttime sky. And it was kind of rotating at this odd angle. And... Um, and, and we watched it for maybe 30 seconds, maybe even less than that. Really arresting. Really clearly, really clearly not a helicopter. Not a balloon. You know, this was, this was just, uh, you, know, you know how to describe this? You know, the, um, uh, I'm, I'm of the age where there was the first time I saw computer animation. Right. Yeah. So every animation up until that point was one kind of animation. The very first time you see computer animation and there's this like palpable, like, oh, that is something different. That is something totally yeah. different I've never seen before. That was my sense in the moment. Um, it had that kind of like, oh, whoa, whoa, never seen anything like this before. Now, uh, afterwards, we ran downstairs and drew a picture of it, both him and I, before talking about it. I still have that picture. It's posted online. And then I have since, uh, I've got a my illustration skills have gotten better in the last 40 years or so. So I've redrawn it <laughs> as clear as I can. Um, so, so this, and then now, and so these, I, I'm, you know, I, I apologize. I'm kind of going on autopilot because I've told these stories before, but I'll give you one more that'll, um, so this then jump fast forward. I was 14, uh, 16 years later, as I'm 30, uh, I, I uh, am living in a, uh, little cabin in Maine all alone. And I sit up in the middle of the night and look out the window. There's bright light shining in the window. Like, I don't think I've ever done that before. Now, I look out and I see a, uh, like, a, there's this bright light and it's backlighting something very close to the window. And right up close to the window are five gray aliens with the big black eyes. And Shit, you're alone in a... You're alone in a cabin in Maine. I'm alone in a little cabin out in the middle of, you know, like a way, way, way out at the edge of a small town. Yeah. Jesus is like Stephen King novel here. And, you know, and now here's the weird thing is totally exactly super creepy. You know, I drew it. I actually worked really hard to like try to draw this image, you know, and I knew before drawing it that this image, what I drew would then become my memory. If that makes sense, right? So you know, okay. you, you, you focus on the drawing, and then from that point on, the drawing would serve as the, as as my memory of it. And I, I feel like I captured it pretty well. So these five beings, they're they're walking towards the house. I, I'm and I should have been totally freaked out. I was like sucked dry of emotion. Like I was like how to like almost synthetically void of emotion. Mm. Um, 
and I looked past these things, and I looked at the bright light, and the bright light was small. It seemed like about the size of a washing machine. So, and, I, and I said to myself, now this is where I can't really say it. So I heard a voice in my head. It may have been my own voice. And, but, I, but I heard a voice in my head that said, now is the time. Well, it said, oh yes, they're here. Now is the time to put your head on the pillow and shut down. And that's exactly what I did. I just laid down and blinked in a split second I was out. Now the same event has, was just, it had this, to say it was dream-like would be correct. To say it was a dream, that wouldn't be correct. I don't think it was a dream. Um, I've had other, I've had that same palpable, otherworldly, distorted feeling. Um, there was a point I was, I remember talking about this event with Jeremy Vaney at one point. Um, and he used the term head in the fishbowl. So I can't get this, this weird hyper-clarity, like the head in the fishbowl, and that was perfect. That was a perfect you know, analogy to what it felt like. Um, so I've had that same experience a few more times over the years. And uh, uh, all of those events coincide with what feels like a UFO contact event. Um, you know, like the, all the clues point to a UFO contact event. Um, yeah. So... So, and then one time it was in a dream, I have to say, and that was clearly a dream, and it felt like that dream was orchestrated. I'm kind of going fast and furious and giving you the... Uh, no, 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 it's okay. Know, the... so, so, you, so you had all these memories. What I, find, what I find interesting, so you're saying like when you had the owl experience with Kristen, um, that was her name, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, when you had the owl experience with her, did you... Did you, did you have... You said you had these memories. Like, were they as were they as crystallized as as uh, you know you're telling me now, or were they sort of like these fuzzy oh, yeah. sort oh, yeah. of like? Okay, so they were that clear. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I and I managed to like, and I'm reading UFO books. Like, I'm reading Bud Hopkins books. I got them all lined up on my shelf, right? So I mean, I knew yeah. exactly the implication. And man, there was no way I was going down that road. Like, you know, I could tell these stories. I could sit around a campfire or on a dinner table or something like that. Hey, you want to hear an interesting story? And I'd tell these stories. I could tell them just with, and I just, at the end, I was like, oh, well, who would have thought? Oh, isn't that funny? Hmm. You know, and um, and at the same time, there was this, I mean, the, the, the image of the pressure cooker with about the steam about to blow was, was building and building inside me. I knew I had to look into them. So do and you I'll consider you yourself an abductee then? Or an experiencer? I, I guess that's the new popular term. I, I use the term reluctantly. I use the term abductee. And I use that with uh, great um, caution. You know, I know it's a loaded word, but it's just if there was another word, I would use it. I, just, I actually don't like the term experiencer all that much because it just seems so nebulous and open-ended. Um, you know, I mean, you see a ghost, you're an experiencer, right? You know, so, yeah, that's true, um, yeah, yeah. It needs a, so, it needs yeah, an, so, it needs like an attachment to the beginning of it where you're like I'm a Bigfoot experiencer I mean, I, or a yeah, UFO I mean, I experiencer, like, I guess. Yes, yeah, so yes, I I am I consider myself a UFO abductee. That said, I give the caveat where I don't really know what that means. I wish it was a better term. I wish I could, you know, like, so I don't have any memories of being, I actually have dreams and I have some fleeting kind of glimpses of like things like being on board a ship and lying on a table. But yeah. I don't have any direct memory. I've tried hypnosis a few times. Nothing's really come up. So I've got nothing in that department. But what I do have is like, you know, you get a, like get a, uh, a jigsaw puzzle and you put it on the table and you get almost all the pieces done, but there's a few pieces missing. I mean, even with those pieces missing, you can stand back and say, oh, that's a, that's a sailboat on a lake. I can see the image clearly. 
And I'm at that point now, too, where I've got these missing puzzle pieces, and I can stand back and clearly say, you know, like, yep, I'm an abductee. Yeah. Wow. All right. Interesting. When's the last time something, uh, you know, that you'd classify within this realm occurred to you? So you said it happened, like, when you were, like, 16, then again when you were 30. So it, does it follow that sort of pattern? Say so you're 53 now, so this is something that's gone on well, I, ever since, or did it kind of settle, did it, like, uh, taper off? Uh, no, I've had a bunch of stuff happen since. <laughs> you know what? I've okay. had a bunch of stuff happen since 2006 is what happened. And I, I just got the feeling that like, you know, I don't know, like the, um, you know, like the, 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 I just get this, this sense that the UFO occupants are peering down from their big giant, you know, invisible flying saucer, like looking into our reality and just like saying, Oh, now he's primed. You know, let's, let's mess with them. Right. You know, let's look. Well, you're let's, blowing their cover on this fucking owl thing, dude. I don't know. I feel like I have permission to, I, quite honestly, like I feel like I have uh, permission to blow their cover because the, the book like fell together with this like synchronistic magic that's hard to explain that I can only say. And I feel like I went into kind of a, a like a, an obsessive mania writing the book, you know, and, and, uh, and here's where the skeptics are going to like roll their eyes. But, you know, in my sense, oh, fuck that, that. You know, that yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I, I, I they couldn't handle something like this, it. dude. This is too, this is too, for better or for worse, this is too far out for a skeptic to even, you know, yeah, their the minds are too, is, their know, minds are too fucking small to handle an idea <laughs> like this. So, you know, I went the, to, a, I, went, I spoke at a conference a couple of years ago. I spoke at a conference before the book was out, and I gave, I gave a talk, which is, you know, which I felt was really tidy and really buttoned up and came across really well and and it was a big UFO conference, the one that they run every year in, in Arizona and, and up before then, right, you know, like I would go to that conference for a few years in a row and I'd and uh, you know, I'd always try to dress nice and I could talk to people talk to the guys who collected the 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 government documents and I could talk to the, you know, lady in the flowy dresses and the turquoise jewelry, uh, you know, and they would talk about the you know, the, these ladies would be talking about love and light and beautiful angels that would come and visit them and then the government document guys would be talking about like, you know, underground bases and, and uh and, you know, really pragmatic stuff, you know, like burn marks in the yard, how they investigated this case and stuff and so um and then I'll tell you, I went there and I had the little speaker, little plat, you know, you wear a little name tag, it's a speaker, and my talk was titled Owls, UFOs, or excuse me, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. I was, I was like ostracized from half the group. Like, like the, the nuts and bolts researchers wanted nothing to do with me. It was palpable. It was totally, it was weird. I didn't expect that. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm just like by the, by the topic alone, I've been cast aside by, you know, half the UFO research community. Well, there's a problem with that in a sense, too, because, like, it may – yes, I agree with that the topic is, like, difficult, I guess, for some to handle. But at the same time, it's also, like, abductees or experiencers, they occupy a special place in the field of ufology, I think. And it's not a, a great place, and that's the fault of ufology, <laughs> where it's, like, they're – especially someone who's just had – who was an abductee, Right. Who's not even who doesn't even do like what you or like Jeremy Vanny have done to become uh, content producers and, and players in the field. I'm just talking about the general uh, regular abductees, like a Betty and Barney Hill type thing. Um, you know, ufology doesn't see them as people. They become they cease to become people and become like specimens to try and decipher. Look at poor Emma Woods, you know. So it's like there's there's uh, there's there's already like a predisposed social contract, uh, a bad social contract, like between. Abductees yeah, yeah, and at the same time, we're like the 
crazy uncle at the at the family reunion that no one wants to talk to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if they can't, if they feel like they can't get, especially you know, if they feel like they can't get anything that's going to reconfirm their ideas about UFOs, which this owl thing probably doesn't, then they're probably like, all right, I'm going to stay away from this guy. He's crazy. You know what I mean? So. That's I just, do know. I know all too well. What they do. Exactly, yeah. exactly what you mean. Yeah. 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 So I can see. I can see that it's an unfortunate social effect uh, of the UFO field. Yeah. You know? So what I was guessing. So just. Um, so what I was saying. I mean, um, I'm jumping in a way to the. You know. No worries. Like no worries. The, no, no, no. I'm jumping. Just to the the. Uh, like the book fell together in a way that. So Nick Redfern. Nick Redfern was my original. Uh, copy editor, right? So I, I sent the book off to him. I said, Nick, can you read this book? I need help, right? And the, the thing was, you know, I'm like, this flow. I said, Nick, don't worry about the commas. Don't worry about where the periods are. I want to know if this thing flows. I want to know where it needs help. He gave me some great advice. Mostly it was just like, okay, between this chapter and this chapter, you just need a little joining, a couple of paragraphs, you know, uh, you know, like uh, define this term. You'd use some term like, you know, 1111, you know, like people won't know what that means. So you got to give a little, you know, defining on, on what uh, how right, it right. So, like the first time you so Nick read it, you got to give a little background. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick read that, read the book twice. Book changed a little bit after he read it and a few little additions. But for most of the, for the most part, you know, the book that he read that I handed him is, you know, 98% the book that's on the shelf now. Um, and, and he said something that kind of blew my mind because it's something that I felt inside, but like didn't have the nerve to say myself. He basically said that the, um, and I'll read it. I actually turned into the blurb on the back. Um, he said, I get the strong sense that Mike Clellan was guided to write this by the UFO intelligences. I believe the phenomenon intended it to be written. Like wow, I was, that's, and, from and it was Nick. It, that's from Nick. Wow. Yeah. Now who read the book twice? And, and that's that was his push. It was his take on it. It was really, and you know, he was he was he was he was great. I mean, he's a he's a he's a no nonsense kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he I mean, he was, he was fan, yeah. yeah, and he was basically like, listen, I'm not gonna like if if it was bad, I would tell you. And if I didn't if I didn't feel this way, I wouldn't say it. But you know, um, and and channeled is the wrong term, right? I did not channel this book, right? It was hard work. I had to think about it. I had to put the periods and the you know, commas as best I could. And I had to, you know, I had to like put things in order and collect all these stories and tell my own story at the same time. So channeled yeah, yeah, is the yeah. wrong term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't term, like scribbled on a candlelight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I didn't. I, yeah, exactly. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, automatic writing with a crayon. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, but it's, it's whatever. It's the next rung up the ladder from that. So, or down the ladder, I don't know. All right, so you've, so you've continued having experiences. That's a key part that uh, yeah, so I wanted to Yeah, so I've continued having of... experiences. And the last uh, 40 pages of the book are like what I call my confirmation event. Um, and you know what happened? Is, 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 so, Micah, you're from last night. Yes. Like I was, so I, was, I had this event that took place on March 10th, 2013. Three years ago, a little over three years ago. And that was just like... That sealed it. I am. I am an abductee. No questions. No. No. I. I haven't doubted it since. And I had doubted up until that point, even with some pretty telling experiences. And uh, and I was in North Carolina visiting my family. My sister lives there, and that's where my mother was living at the time. And uh, so I. And I was pretty good pals with Micah at that point. So I. I drove her to Micah's. I actually went down into the. Um, into the vault. What does he call? It? He calls it the. Um, 
He's got a name for his for his studio where it's way down on the steep. You take this elevator like five thousand feet underground. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I so I I had him recorded like him. You know, like you are going to ask me every conceivable question. We're going to record this and we're going to get this because it just happened a few weeks earlier. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So an event that took place with, involved an owl. There was an owl right in the middle of the story. Uh, but this story takes this. Oh God, it's so complicated. I, I mean, you want me to try to sum it up on the confirmation event as best I can in a few minutes, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's if it's that important. I can't, I can't prep it like this and not and not do that. I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. You kind of have to finish the story. I mean, we we, do, we still got at least an hour left. Don't worry about it. I never worry about time. Okay. You know, it's I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm listening. Don't. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm not clipping my toenails here. I'm so I'm listening to the story. I'm trying to trying to. Uh, I'm one of those people, too, where it's like when someone tells me their personal story, I don't feel comfortable sort of like hitting them with too many like, well, why didn't you pick up the, the pen, you know, and, and poke him in the eye or some shit. You know, it's like I wasn't there. I can't I can't tell you what, what should happen. So just tell me tell me the story. Tell me this confirmation event. March 10th, 2013. Okay, so I was at a UFO conference. This is the conference down in Arizona. They run every year, the IUFOC. Now, at that point um, – uh, like I was already the owl guy, right? I mean, I was asking people, I was walking around with a clipboard and asking everyone I could think of, like, you know, you have to sit down with people. Have you had an owl experience? And I got these great stories. And so my plan was to write an essay, you know, to write a, to write a, um, you know, like a short magazine article. And that's what I sent you. It's like a 30 page little, you know, essay that's, be- that has become the foundation of the book. Um, that, that, you know, that hard work at the, those, that, that conference turned into that. So, and I'd already collected a bunch of stuff ahead of time. And that, you know, the story with Kristen in the mountains, you know, is part of that essay too. So, um, so, uh, driving home from the conference, uh, you know, I had already, and I had already been doing podcasts and a blog and the whole thing. So I was pretty, pretty damn immersed in the, in the field at that point. Um, so driving home from the conference now, this, as I said earlier, I taught out camping and I know what it's like to sleep outside under the stars and stuff. So I just figured I'd sleep on the side of the road, right? And just driving from, I was living in Idaho at the time and I was driving from Arizona. You got to drive through Utah. It's the best place in the world to sleep out. It doesn't rain there. And, you know, so it was March, it was cold. And so I, I pulled off to the side of the road at this little spot and, and, uh, uh, and I woke up in the middle of the night, right? So it's just, you know, like a, you can, Imagine out in the desert, you know, there's obviously people that parked there before. There's old campfire rings and stuff there, but I found this nice place to lie down. And so I wake up and there's trillion stars, zillion trillion stars. And, and I look up at this hilltop and I say to myself, you know, I look at this thing, there's this bright thing on this hilltop. And I say to myself, that looks just like a landed flying saucer. And I'm sitting there staring at it, lying in this sleeping bag. And I'm like, okay, like I feel like I've got my, you know, I'm all you know, new age and groovy from doing all this research and stuff like that. So if this was a flying saucer, right, I would, I would know it, right. I would be able to intuit that. I would be able to feel it, you know, in my, in my psychic knowing, right. So I look at this thing on this hillside, I feel nothing blank. I'm like, huh, it's a round house. Somebody built a round house up on that hill. And I roll over and go to sleep. So I wake up a few more times that night. One time I wake up and there's a coyote right near my head. Jesus, uh, how close? Like howling. I never saw it. But it was howling. Oh, okay. Like I've stepped right. out a lot out west. Okay. So it's howling. I'm saying it was close right, enough. Right. I couldn't hand. I couldn't hand it a dog biscuit. Okay. I thought. I, I thought. I thought, I thought like, yeah. I thought like for a minute. There, oh, I, know, thought, it like, like, I thought. I thought I woke up because you, you, you woke up and was licking yeah. your face or some shit. I was like, I Jesus. 
So yeah, okay, so, this, so yeah, so it was close. But Owling Coyote, right near my head, right near my where I was sleeping, never saw it. Like loud, like crazy loud, like loud, like I've never heard a coyote that close before. And I've heard a lot yeah. of coyotes over the decades. You know, half my life I spent living out in the sagebrush in, in the West. So, um, uh, so you know, I lay there and listen to this coyote, and and this is where you call the shaman, in, right? You call the Native American shaman. Okay, I'm looking at yeah. this thing on a hill. I'm hearing a coyote. What does that mean? You know, what's the story? What's the implication? What's the totem animal for that? You know, and I and I, I don't have a good answer for them. So, um, uh, and I look at this thing. So, so um, this isn't like a fleeting glimpse of something, man. I I literally laid there for probably an hour of my life staring at this thing on the hill, and it looked. Ex- Did you ever see the movie Sleeper with Woody Allen? No. The house in the movie, you know, there's this house up on a hill. It's supposed to take place in the future. It's a sort of a screwball comedy, one of his early funny films. And, and there's this yeah. house up on a hill, and it's shaped like a flying saucer. And it's kind of okay. a roundhouse. And that's what it looks like. So, and, I, and then I wake up again a little while later, and uh, there's, a, uh, there's like a bright light behind this bush. So I try to sit up. I'm like, what is behind that bush? Why is that bright light there? And I mean, like, like huh, maybe someone pulled in and parked there. So I just lay down and go to sleep. You know, lying on the ground. Uh, at the same time, I remember looking up at the thing and the, 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 the brown structure on the hill and such. So I get home the next day. The next morning, I get up really early and start driving. I, you know, it's funny. I don't remember actually looking up on the hill. I might have. I don't remember. Oh, to see if, but like, there was remember. a house there or whatever. If there, yeah, yeah I don't was remember. I remember I was tossing everything. I may have, but I don't remember. So I get home, and the first thing I do when I get home is a long drive, right, 10 hours or so in the car to get Jesus. from where yeah. I was sleeping. The West, it's big, yeah. So, um, so I get to my house. The first thing I do is I sit at my computer and I look up on Google Earth. I'm like, shit, what is that round building? Like, you know, Google Earth, you could zoom in and see like the little, you know, where a car would park, and you could see the telephone line going in, you could see the power lines, you could see the road. Yeah, you could see everything. Up to someone's yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing, totally blank field. Uh, I've since gone back to that spot, that exact spot. I have never climbed the hill and actually looked up there, uh, but I've gone to that exact spot and taken photographs. There's nothing there. And I mean, it was it was crystal clear for an hour of my life looking up at it. So full daylight, nothing there. Um, I did a little rendering of it online. So, uh, so that was a the confirmation post, event. So, so you're... oh god, no, no, it's much weirder. Oh, it's 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 way weirder. Oh, it gets weirder. Um, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So so I uh, I. Uh, make a blog post, right? That's what I do with everything. If something weird happens, I make a blog post about it. So I, dropped, I drew this rendering of it. I put a GPS coordinates of it on the, my blog. I mean, it's all there. And uh, and then I, I uh, after that's all done, it's all posted, I'm standing next to my desk, and I am not kidding. I have a psychic flash, and I see a map in my mind. I see a map of southern Utah with a straight line, straight yellow line, and three like little uh, push pins, like you would use, uh, you know, like make creating a map, like like, like a digital map. Three push pins yeah. in the map, and I'm like clear, like okay, no, exactly what the one on the on the western side is. That's the event that happened the night before. And then I knew exactly what the one on the farthest eastern point was. That was a point. Hold on, I'm going to open the book. I just got to make sure I get the right dates right here. That was an event that took place in the spring of. Okay. Yeah. So the spring of 2010 in Dolores, Colorado, that was on one end. So I'm, I'm describing something visual on the radio, which is a little bit. So, so imagine a map of Southern Utah 
mm-hmm. straight line, crooked, right? So it's the, the line itself when you measure it on Google Maps is 231 miles long. One end is the event that took place on March 10th. That's the one I just talked about with the, with the uh, round structure on the hill. And then on the, on the uh, eastern side of it is this event that took place in Dolores, Colorado. I was camping with a friend of mine. We were driving around the west. Her name was Natasha, and my girlfriend at the time. And, and she also had tons of UFO-type experiences. Um, and she, uh, we were at the conference together, and, and we decided to drive around the west some. Uh, so on that event... I've got this to tell this correctly. It takes a little time. So uh, we're driving around the west. We go to um, Mesa Verde in southern Colorado. So this is just over the over the um, Utah border. And, uh, and we're driving back. I mean, Mesa Verde is the cliff dwelling. Super cool. Old ancient mm-hmm. Indian dwellings. So we come back to the, It's outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Been there. Yeah. So when we're driving down the hill, you drive this long tail, and you come back to this little town called Cortez, Colorado. And uh, I pull into the town, and my brakes kind of smell. I could tell something. They were kind of punchy. I could smell it. You could smell them. And so we just asked a guy at the restaurant, like, hey, do you have a uh, mechanic you can recommend? And so he says, yeah, go to this guy. He's my friend. He's, he's this is perfect guy to go to. So we go to the mechanic's shop. There's a few people working there. Drop the car off. He says, okay, we'll put it up on the thing. Just hang out here, and we'll, we'll get back to you in a few minutes. So right. Natasha and I sit around, and then the guy calls us back in. And literally, the guy's, like, like wiping the, you know, that he's got his hands, he's wiping the oil off his hands with an oily rag, and he looks at us and he says, well, I can't let you leave town, or you'll die. And we're like, what? And he explains that the, the brakes are failing, and he's legally not, he's legally bound to keep the car. We can't let, let it go, because if, if the brakes failed, we'd get in a car accident, and he'd be liable. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, what, so what does this mean? So then we get a, we realize then we have to have, there's going to be uh, five days before Jesus. So we yeah, got five days out. in this little town. No, no, we rented a car. He actually hooked us up, and we got the super cheap rent a car, and we drove around the west. It was great. It was great. Saw all this super cool stuff, and we just we had the time. It was you know so okay. Um, and it was great. We both loved it. So, but the very first night, so like right after that event happens, uh, we camp on the side of the road, and I know exactly where that is. I pinpointed that to the millimeter. I'm convinced on a map, you know, and. Uh, uh, Natasha and I are sleeping in the tent, and then I, we both wake up screaming, like screaming. Jesus. Like I've never, like I've never, and I've actually called it synthetic fear. Like I don't know how to describe it. It's like, so I, you know, like I've worked during outdoor stuff for, you know, close to 20 years, right? So I know just what it means to sleep in a tent, right? You know, I've had grizzly bears out of my tent. I've had moose get tangled up in the string of the tent and stuff. So I'm, Damn, like, yeah. like I've never felt anything like this. Nothing. It's quiet. Nothing. We're both screaming. We both kind of get our wits together. I'm like, oh my God, what, 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 what happened? What happened? I'm freaking out. Um, like, I mean, if a grizzly bear had like ripped a hole through the tent and put its jaws around my throat, I wouldn't have been as scared as I was at that moment. Uh, just, and, and she says, she but you saw don't know what you were scared about, or do you? No, don't know what we're scared about. She says, we saw a face. So, and then within, I'm going to say, you know, maybe just a few minutes, we're trying to get our wits about us. And then all of a sudden, we're both asleep. Jesus. Went, went from, and then the next thing I know, I'm floating, right? I've got that elevator up feeling, the palpable, you know, like when you're in an elevator. And whoosh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm floating right up to the top of the tent. There's so much more to the story. I'm going to give you the kind of the cliff note version. So I float up. Did you see the aliens? I would love to say I did. I didn't. Um, ah. So you're that guy. You just did it. You know, you just did the thing. <laughs> What's that? 
know the guy who says, you know, why didn't you stick him with a stick in your eye? And no, no, no. I didn't ask why didn't you. Didn't. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to cut to the end. I didn't I'm wondering see anything. You... That's, well, that's the problem. That's why it took me so long to come to terms with this stuff. So, so I'm, I'm as I'm floating, I'm saying to myself, and I documented this like, within days, within hours, I documented this on the blog. Um, and I said, you know, like as I'm floating, I'm, I'm saying to myself. Uh, uh, I have to remember this. I have to remember this. I have to remember this. The next thing I'm saying is, am I on a table? Am I on a table? Am I, I'm in this. All I know is I was in a white realm, just with this mystical, magical white realm. And was again, she there it too? Matched, no, this is, I don't know. So, okay. But it matched feeling I tried to describe before, the head in the fishbowl feeling, that, mm-hmm. um, that otherworldly, that other reality kind of feeling. It didn't feel like a dream. And then all of a sudden, and then I heard Natasha's voice go, Mike, you're dreaming. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> See, I'm gonna, I, that was wrong. She said, Mike, you're floating. And then it felt like whoosh, it went back in the tent. Now, I don't know if any of that really happened. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's true. All I know is that, is that I, that's my memory. It's pretty accurate okay. of my memory. Interesting. The next morning, we wake up. I'm like, holy crap, what just happened last night? You know, and, and she, now, so there's all this stuff. She points to this corner of the tent, and as I was floating, I remember there was something in the corner of the tent. It reminded me of this mandala, like a floating pizza pan. And she said it reminded her of like this image that I had drawn earlier of something in my eye, and that like led to this. This is I can't go down that road, but there was like a, a cataract. <laughs> yeah. In my eye. Okay. There was a cataract in my eye that in 2009, um, uh, I actually think it was the day Mac Tony's died. I had a cataract in my eye that looked like a little gray alien seated, you know, like and I, and I could only see it. Right. So it's, it's like through my eye. I'm the only person in the world that can see it. And, and that, and that's what I thought when I was floating, I look at this pizza pan shaped thing and I'm like, that's a cataract in my eye. And then the next morning I said, Natasha, what did you see? And she said, I saw something right there. She points to the same spot. I said, what was it? And she said, what was that thing in your eye? So, and I had drawn that, you know, also everything yeah, is yeah. like, it's typed on the blog and I'm just turned into this maniac of, of like archiving all this stuff. So, um, and then after that, we, uh, we went to a sweat lodge in, on, the, on the Navajo reservation. It was great. It was a super cool experience. And then I'm getting into the sweat lodge. I take off my shirt, it's a total car camping, grubby thing. Right. And I got this scratch that goes from my left shoulder to my belly button. And, and when you look at it closely, like it looked like it looked when you just glanced at it, it looked like a cat claw, like a cat had scratched me. You know, what is that? Like two and a half feet from my shoulder to my belly button, and then uh, maybe you know foot and a half, I guess. And then, uh, uh, but when you looked at it really closely, it was a tiny little row of raised blisters, like little teeny itty bitty, like half a millimeter big, right? Of these little teeny raised fluid-filled blisters, starting at my left shoulder, going all the way to my belly button. Like, I've never seen anything like that on anyone before. Did you get pictures of all that? Yeah. So a couple of days later, um, I take a shower, and it washes off. There's no pain. There's nothing. And, and uh, as soon as it's gone, both Natasha and I at the same moment go, ah, we should have got a picture of that. We never got a picture. We were taking pictures of every cactus and every sunset. I mean, it was like, but we never took a picture of it. So I got nothing. Yikes. Um, now... So here's there's like this is one end of this line on the map, right? We got the one end at one end, and the you know at the the the, the, the uh, western side is the round structure on the hill. The yeah. eastern side of this line is the, uh, the thing incident. with Natasha floating out of the tent. You know, and that story begins with a with a uh, 
uh, a guy saying, you can't leave town or you'll die. And it ends with a sweat lodge ceremony run by a shaman. Right? So, so, and then, okay, so you got you have two lines on a map, right? It's two dots of uh, points on a right, flat right. plane, right? You stretch the piano wire as tight as you can between the two. It's a perfectly straight line, right? Perfectly magically straight. Like, when I had that psychic flash and saw this image, I had three dots on the map. You know, what was the middle one? I saw it. I saw it in my mind's eye. I got to find it. I had a couple weird events that took place down in that same area, out in the desert. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of camping down there. So I was kind of checked one. I was like, eh, nothing. Just, eh, it's way, way, way off. doesn't work. And then I was just like, ooh, there's this thing that happened on the Birch Trail Road on March 2nd, 2011, also with Natasha. We were driving back from the conference towards my house in Idaho. We are just taking a scenic route through the desert, gorgeous. And I had been driving all day, right? So I'm tired. And Natasha's from Germany, and so she's, she's jet-lagged. Um, and Natasha has like confirmed and like you know all these details and stuff like that. Everything that shows up in the blog and in the book, she's you know she's given me the okay for all this. Um, so we camp on the side of the road. It's this beautiful spot. Oh my god, it's calm. It's cold. She's completely jet lagged. I go right to sleep, and she wakes me up and says, "I don't know what to do." I'm like, "What can I do?" I'm like, "Take a walk. It's beautiful out here. Just take a walk around." So she walks off. Jesus, and dude, we send this lady out walking alone in the night in the, in the middle of the night. That's dangerous. Well, it's like it's about the safest place in like a little like you know it's like a. It's, she actually said it was really beautiful. So she I'm having my doubts about your chivalry, Mike. That's you know, all I'm saying. I'm having some doubts about yeah, your chivalry. Yeah, yeah, that you know who said that to me and gave me a hard time on the blog. Who's that? Red pill junk. Red pill junkie like called me out of, like ooh you know. Some kind of gentleman you are. You know? Exactly. Red Pill and I travel yeah. in a lot of the same circles, as he can attest. Okay. When he hears this show, yeah, he'll love. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, you know, a, a you know, a, a heartless male, I guess. Like, it's all right. I, it's, it's, it's all forgetting. So she gets up and she wanders out into the desert and go on. No, it's not So she walks around along this, you know, this dirt road, and she says, as she's walking, she's, she says, she's literally sparkling. She said it was so magical. I felt something was in the air, something was buzzing in the air. It was so magical, I felt I was sparkling. And she looks off into the sagebrush, and there's this little dot of light out there. And she's like, oh, my, just coming out with a, with a flashlight? And then this dot kind of moves across the sagebrush, and it glow, grows to about the size of a beach ball, and it turns into this big orb. And then, and then it goes, poof, and disappears. Like, pop. And it's gone. A huge white flash. She gets super scared. She runs back to me. Now, in the time she was gone, I'm laying there in the in the you know in the in the spot on the on the sand on my sleeping pad with a big thick sleeping bag and a pillow and the whole thing's lovely it's perfect you know clear sky and I'm laying there and there's a there's very similar to that coyote there's a there's a great horned owl in the bush right near my head I never see it it's hooting away it's as loud as it can be it's unmistakable. The call of great horned owl is, is unmistakable. Um, so like I'm laying there looking at the stars, listening to an owl. Oh my God, I'm so into this kind of stuff. And, and I was like, this is so cool. And also Natasha goes, runs up and says, Mike, we got to leave. I'm like what, 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 what? And she explains like, she's really freaked out. She's scared. She saw this orb. It went poof, you know, like, okay, let's get out of here. So we load everything up and start driving at about five in the morning or four in the morning um, to get out of there. Yeah. Now, Okay, so back to this image, okay? So picture in your mind's eye, map, three dots, one straight line. So I kind of like zoomed in on the spot where I was lying in the sand. And 
And when I clicked on the little map uh, program thing and put, turned on the little yellow light, it bisected where I was sleeping. Like, like my sleeping pad would have been crossed over. Like now, just turn the clock back like 10 years. Oh, wow, like right across the line, as you're saying, yeah. So these, these three events line up with, 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 a, with an exactitudity. I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up. I like uh, with it. an exact, yeah, good, good. So do I. Uh, and um, you, you know, so like ten years ago, right, a paper map, I would have had to take a big long ruler and a pencil, right, and whoosh, make a big long yeah, you ruler almost wouldn't even really map. be able to pick it up. All right, so this is the yeah, confirmation right? event. The event is that these the, three things. The event. The event was seeing that yellow line cross over where I was lying in the sand under the stars, listening to an owl. So that. Once at right then and there, like, I mean, I am not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I'm sitting at my house. I'm at my desk. I push this button on my computer and I look at this line and there's this just like this, okay, well, the, the, that other part of my life just ended, right? The part of the end of my life where I doubted this stuff, right? So yeah, that's gone. I have no doubts anymore. This is so freaking weird. And, and these clues have been orchestrated in a way that like, like, like only I could decipher this, right? Like I love making maps. I'm all about making maps. I, you know, it's what I used to do for, you know, the backcountry travel stuff. I would do. I'd prep these things with, with maps. I would make myself, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and I love sleeping out under the stars. I love like freaking, you know, coyotes howling in the, you know, the western night. You know, that's like I love this shit. So and then you know shamans and sweat lodges and 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 then right in the middle of it all is an owl, and I was just like, okay. I'm the only one that could decipher this. All these clues are set in my path, and now, and now this new part of my life has begun. Uh, and then there are so many weird synchronicities tied into this this one story. I mean, it just goes on yeah. and on and on. Like Twenty pages to write this up. So I don't know what I was about a half hour there where I where I bent your ear on this one event. No, 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 but, no, no about twenty minutes. Don't worry about it, dude. This is the yeah, no, no, this no, is no, the no. essence. This is the essence of the program. Don't even worry about it. Um, so what is like? So, so, this, so this, there's a, that, yeah. that little owl made a tiny little cameo appearance at the perfect point, you know, to hammer home this whole this whole owl weirdness for me. Hmm. Have you? Well, what's the? We're we're sort of like dancing around this tangential connection though between the owls and the intelligence. Let's call it. Has any? What, and you've collected a billion stories. So is there any story that like really? like solidifies this in a way that is even more concrete. Like someone saw an owl and it morphed into an alien or someone well, that, yeah, I got that. I got the talked that. to an owl and the owl was like, I'm I got, an alien. Yeah, or, I got know, that too. Like that. I got people talking to owls, yeah. So like what's so. the craziest story you heard where you're like, okay, this is so, you know, this is really something, something's happening here, but we don't know what it is, Mr. Jones. Um, well, that's Dylan. Yeah. That's right. Um, I don't have no Dylan. I do have sort of a Dylan moment, but that would takes us just as long to tell as the story I just told. So I'm not going to tell. Yeah, it. no, that's all right. but, Tell me, just tell me, give me, give me a little shorty of, uh, of okay, a really weird story. owl okay. story. So have, maybe so, maybe so one I you have haven't a, told on 35 shows, because that way we don't, okay. you know. Our Fred Redpill's like, I've heard all this before. I'm out of here. Well, he it all you know. Before. Yeah, I apologize. I, I apologize, Redpill, because this is like he's he's actually interviewed me, and he I guess he got to hear it, you know, firsthand. So, um, okay, so I'm talking to a guy named Ben. This is a guy I've met mm-hmm. online, super nice guy. He's had his own experiences. There's this kind of like, like you know, 
I've been calling them the maybe people, the people who maybe have had these experiences, that, you know, that, that have, that, but that can't quite come to the terms of calling themselves an abductee because they just don't have it in them. So he's just like on the line. I think he's actually since crossed the line and has, is, you know, he feels very self-assured that he's had these experiences in his life. So he um, is driving home from a, a roller skating party with his kids. And they're all in the van, and they're like, you know, hey, tell us a story, story time, come on, come on. So it's nighttime, and he says, okay, I'll tell a story. So he 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 uh, he tells this story of uh, like his UFO experiences. You know, he's like realizes like this is a big deal. I'm telling this to my kids, you know, and their friends. And but he frames it sort of like as a playful campfire story. But he's telling us what's happened to him. He says, here's what happened to me. And he tells these stories, and the kids are super into it, and he tells one after another after another. And the final story is this like missing time event that he talks about. So right as he culminates the story, he's driving, right as he culminates the story, an owl flies past the windshield. And right as the owl flies past the windshield, his thought is like, oh, my God, how corny is that? Like, couldn't you have sent something like you know, an owl is so cliche. Couldn't you have sent something better? He thinks this in his head like a bear. Right at that moment, a dog runs across the road, and one of the kids in the front seat says, look, a bear. And he said all these things happen simultaneously. Finishing the story, the owl, the kid saying, look, a bear. And his thought of, like, the owl is too cliche. Now, then sometime later, this is that, so that's a nice, tidy story, right? So here's a guy telling his UFO experiences, and an owl shows up. You know, we, you know, so so, sometime later, he takes his kids on a hike. You know, and they go to a little nature trail nearby. And as they're hiking, this owl flies from tree to tree, and follows them the whole day on this hike. And, if, and it and the kids love it. You know, like this is so cool. The owl's following us, and, but he's kind of freaked out about it. He's so feels a little eerie and sinister. So that night, he gets home, and he. Uh, uh, the kids say, read us a story to go to bed. And he says, great. So they pick the story. They pull it off the shelf themselves. And it's a book called Say Boo. So this is pretty cool because in the book I could like footnote this, this book. Um, it's a little kid's book. And the story is about an, uh, a, a, a ghost who's trying to find his voice. And he, and he gets all confused and gets all muddled, right? So, he, so this ghost is trying to scare people, but he goes up to a cow and, the, and he goes, moo, okay? So you get it, the kind of thing. He wants to say boo, but he can't. And Halloween's coming and he wants to be able to scare kids, but he can't because he can't say the word. So and there's one line in the book um, where, the, where the owl, is, he sees, where, the, where the ghost sees an owl and says, who? So Ben is the name of the ghost. He, so he's reading it aloud. Ben is reading the book aloud. He says, and then Ben saw an owl in a pine tree. Right at that moment, arf, 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 the dog starts going crazy, right? So he runs downstairs and opens the door and looks up and looks around the yard. There's nothing. And then he looks up into a branch and there's an owl what in the a pine fuck? tree. Jesus. There's an owl in a pine tree. The last words he spoke were, then Ben looked up and saw an owl in a pine tree. And then that he, the dog barks, he runs downstairs, he sees him. So he lives the last words of the book. Now, we go back and forth. He's, he's, he was really helpful. Like, okay, God, let's get this story straight now. now. What happened to the car? What happened in the van? What happened in the kids? And he was helping me. with like, oh, no, not, you know. Like, so we're going back and forth. I'm sending him a document that goes into the book, and he's correcting it, and it's super helpful. And then we go through this whole process, and he goes, you know what? Those are the same stories. Two stories are the same. The story in the van 
was Ben. That was me. That was Ben trying to find his voice. That was the first time I ever told those stories. I told them to my children. I found my voice and saw an owl. The story in the children's book is an owl, is a ghost named Ben who's trying to find his voice. They're the same account in a way. Yeah. So this is it's a very subtle story, but I almost am like kind of say it like I'm kind of bored with like you know giant UFOs landing in, in you know in front of cars and stuff like that. I have a few stories like that in the book, but I'm I'm much more fascinated by these really subtle and and and. You know, these, these stories that play out like a little, um, like a parable or like a Zen koan, you know, these little mystery stories. And I thought that Ben story was a perfect example of that. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, that's a pretty amazing story. Um, top to bottom, that's okay. pretty, yeah. pretty wild. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? Now, have you – here's here's an idea. I, maybe you've experienced this since you've gotten into the owl uh, realm. Have you gone to an aviary or a zoo to see an owl in captivity and try and, you know, maybe – I don't know. I wouldn't say communicate with it, but just sort of like c- commune with it almost. I, I have. I did. I did. went to a raptor center in the town I lived in, and they they would not let me hold the owl. The woman with the leather glove had to hold it, but I got as close to that thing as I could, and I, and I you know, it was very beautiful, super cool. I didn't feel any kind of like psychic mojo coming from the owl. Like it didn't, you know, I wasn't like, you know, didn't the secrets of the universe were not revealed to me upon meeting okay. the owl. Super cool, though I gotta say. They should have let you so hold later, it. I guess that's yeah. I gotta I gotta figure that one out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now those are dangerous. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of. Let me tell the story so you so you can look. Google this if you get chance. I don't know if it has any. It really doesn't have anything to do with uh, the paranormal per se. Uh, but there's like this lady. I don't know where she lived. If you just Google like dead death owl theory something like that, I'll find it later and email it to you. I'm sure. But it's on Dateline, and like she, her like I don't know why I'm laughing. Her dead body was found at, like, the bottom of the stairs inside her house with her back door open. There's blood everywhere and shit. And uh, her husband was home, and he was, like, upstairs. So they just uh, – eventually he – you know, even though his whole family believed that he didn't do it, like his kids and stuff, uh, he was convicted. He went to jail. He's in jail. Um, but, like, the neighbor – for some reason, the neighbor – everyone was trying to figure out how this lady died. And uh, – the, I don't know if you ever watched those Dateline shows, but there's like this guy with white hair, and he's like, he talks real creepy. He's like, if I, he's like, if I ever did like a modern Unsolved Mysteries, I'd have him as the guy. But he's like, but there was one more twist, the owl theory. And then I, I'm like, what the fuck is this? They go to break. They come back, and they explain like that the neighbor was like trying to figure out what might have happened. And his theory was that an owl attacked this lady. And, and uh, amazingly... Like they looked, they looked through like all the medical documents and shit from the autopsy, and they found like a tiny little owl feather in her hair, um, which would have made no sense whatsoever unless like an owl was that close to her. And they said that would explain all the uh, like the like the razor sharp cuts in her head and da 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 and all this stuff. And uh, but weirdly enough, they the courts were like, that's not enough to let him out, so get get out of here. So he's still in jail, but. Uh, the theory is that the, his wife was attacked by an owl, and she ran into the house like to try and get away. So, and they said and they talked to someone else who was or? attacked by an owl, and they said like it, it feels like you're being hit with a baseball bat with like, 
nails sticking out of it, you know, like razors. Well, like, there's yeah, there's brutal. certainly plenty of accounts of people getting hit in the head with, with owls will protect their nest, right? So they'll if you walk near their nest, since they, literally there's signs, and I get them all the time. I get them, and I, people if someone sees a cool owl account, man, I'm, it ends up in my email box. Though I haven't heard that one. Um, so uh, yeah, we're we're yeah, I'll dig it up. It was weird. Nest. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and the guy's like, you know, it was it was just funny in a sense, but yeah, it was odd. I don't know what to make of. Uh, I guess here's a here's a question now. You've oh, so here's so so in in the book, you know, I, it's not it's not strictly UFOs. I mean, I talk about owls and death, which is something that shows up a lot. Owls show up at funerals, and owls show up, you know, like in families' home or near families' home, sometimes in families' home, well, like in the moments leading up to a death or or shortly after Jesus. a death of a loved one. Yeah, so this is that's straight out of like the the North American Indian lore. Um, and also owls, um, you know, uh, people will talk to owls. I got so many accounts of people talking to owls, like some of their, their like their mom dies. I got this a bunch of times. Mom dies. Owl lands, you know, arrives in the garage, let's say. And, uh, and then they'll talk to the owl as if it's their mom. And so that shows up a lot. And, and I've collected a bunch of stories like that. Um, and also in meditation, I got a whole chapter on mushrooms where people take mushrooms and, and then have these weird owl experiences. Um, and, uh, and you know, you, you know the comedian Bill Hicks, right? Of course. Yeah, so there's a Bill Hicks before he died. Um, you know, he took a bunch of mushrooms and, and had this amazing UFO experience. It was totally psychedelic and didn't have anything to do with a metal spaceship. But he had a psychedelic UFO experience where he felt like he was transported to this other realm and interacted and could ask questions of these beings. And there was a Q&A between him and the aliens. And he came back like from the trip, like totally, like almost a new person. And uh, it's the person who did it with him is this guy, Kevin Booth, who, who uh, offered up a lot of information in the, in the um, uh, you know, to help me a lot in that chapter. Now, uh, and then right as, as uh, Bill Hicks was dying, just before he died, his friend Kevin Booth was having a lot of weird owl experiences in, the, in the, literally the days before his close friend uh, Bill Hicks died. So. Weird. Interesting. Um, now, like, we're having tapped into this owl. Um, I don't know what it is. Having tapped into the owl thing. I guess where do you go from here, though? How do you where do you take it next? Do you know what I mean? How do you do? You just keep collecting cases. I feel like at some point you'd be kind of like, like you said, uh, you know, it make it difficult to sort of just keep amassing the cases. Have you considered? Well, well, I am uh, the cases. Have you considered maybe expanding it to other animals or something? I'm one. I'm just because I've had a fascination for a while. Uh, I talked about it with uh, Joshua Cutchin. It's like with animal reactions to UFOs and stuff like that. So I'm just wondering, like. If there's other animals we associate with UFOs beyond owls, and uh, well, there are, but, and that, that was okay. the deer. So the, the, ah, the deer. I'm not the person to write it because I don't have any direct deer experiences. So well, um, you don't have to you know, have a deer book. experience to write the book. The, yeah, you got to have the passion to get in there and to, you know, like commit yourself to the book project. So, but yeah, That's, the deer would be. The, yeah, the deer would be. Someone else might need to write it, but um, who knows what the future will bring. But uh, and then uh, you know, right now I'm working on a follow-up book to this one, where it's going to be. It's only um, uh, there's like a bunch of long, complicated stories that that I couldn't fit into the book, and in so I'm putting all these longer, uh, more mixed-up stories. I'm putting these 
uh, mixed up in the sense that they kind of they're kind of chaotic when you read some of these stories. Um, mm. You know, they don't have like a like a linear logic to them, but there's you know, they involve UFOs and owls, and so <laughs> I got a lot of those. So I'm putting those into a, a follow-up book, and that should read like a book of short stories. It'll be much skinnier than this big fat book that that's out now. Well. Taking the idea that Nick sort of proposed that you were directed to, to write this story, I guess the question is, and I know you don't know the answer to this, but like, what do you, what's your, what's your best guess as to why? Why would the, why are they, why are they, they being the intelligence, let's say, what, why, why are whoever is behind the alien, or be, excuse me, behind the owls, why do you think they chose, not necessarily like chose you, because that turns into like a a different sort of analysis that turns into like a self-analysis. I guess what, why do you think they chose to want this message out there? If that is the case. Well, less, less the message out there. I don't know if, you know, you know, so in the end, this is, this book is completely self-indulgent where, you know, like I'm completely introspective in this thing too, where it's, you know, I'm sort of a player. I'm, I'm a character in the book. Um, but the best answer to that question is that uh, you know like where where the puzzle pieces just click together with a nice clean I don't know if it's the correct answer but but it's certainly like it solves a lot if you look at the owls as an archetype an archetype is one of those like open-ended lofty words that you know uh, graduate students in philosophy departments at colleges you know debate about you know long into the night you know with the bomb um, and so but the uh, the, the it, you know if an archetype would be, uh, you know, Plato and Carl Jung both use the term archetype in their in their writings, and they both are describing essentially the same thing: some essence that's imbued within us, within some state of knowing. You know, Jung said the collective unconscious, and 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 uh, and Plato spoke about it more like a like a like an internal knowing of a definition of a thing. Right, so you know, Luke Skywalker is the archetype of the hero, right? So that's, and um, and but the owl would have an archetypal meaning. We may not be able to articulate what that is, but on a deep internal level, we know what that is, and and this archetype is there for a reason. So the reason is to touch us on a subconscious level when we see an owl, right? So, so UFO witness, uh, you know, riding his bicycle, he stops his bicycle, he looks over at the fence post, there's an owl, he looks past the owl, there's a UFO, right? Actually, it was a moped, that would be, the, that's actually the story I'm quoting here. Uh, so he's on his moped, and he sees an, uh, sees a UFO, an owl, then sees a UFO. Um, the owl would be imparting something subconsciously to him, and the owl has all kinds of mythological meaning, you know, wisdom, you know, seeing into the darkness, uh, seeing into the mysteries. Um, and then it is also in, in the, in kind of the culmination of the book, in a way, the owl that would be the totem animal, you know, would be the symbolic animal that represents the transformational experience. So owls show up at death, right? The transformational experience. Owls show up when people trip on mushrooms. Transformational experience. Um, owls show up when people meditate. So owls show up when people are abducted by UFOs. This is a transformational experience. So, so that is as close as I can get to an answer. The other thing I say, which is very simplistic, and it 
I can sum it up a lot quicker, is Alice's alarm clock, right? So they're screaming, wake up. There's something you need to wake up to. Um, and that, uh, and that is a, I mean, so, so there, I just gave you the culmination of the book and it's very open-ended. I don't have proof of any of it, but that is the best I could come up with after wrestling with this stuff for three years. Well, it's intriguing in a lot of ways, the, your research, because it, it goes completely sort of against, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess it goes against sort of like the, what what one would expect from from UFO research, I guess is what I'm saying. I guess what I'm saying is like it's, you have a very holistic sort of natural approach to this phenomenon when normally it seems like uh, when it comes to UFOs, it's like always sort of a, a more advanced technology. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like a very sure, sure. It's, it's, interesting, it's interesting take on the whole thing because, like I said, it's a very naturalistic approach to this phenomenon when almost all the other ideas are, uh, you know, interdimensional or whatever, but, but still uh, sort of this nuts and bolts idea. You're, you're going completely in a different direction. It's interesting. Well, I mean, I tap into the nuts and bolts thing a little bit, and I certainly tap into the alternative dimension thing and stuff like that. But I mean, my my sense is that you know, like, like if this is playing out the way it seems to be playing out, you know, like in, in, in the, the the story of Ben, right, who had the weird thing, and he came to his own sort of transformational event, right? You know, he like realized he had come clean to his children, and that was that was hammered home by a different secondary owl event, you know. Um, there's no UFOs in his story, except for his in his own life. You know, he's the person who's had UFO experiences. So, you know, who's orchestrating this stuff, right? How is yeah. this like? Who's the scriptwriter of reality that laid these things down so cleanly, right? So, who else is gonna? Who else but Ben could have that experience of like reading about Ben? The, yeah, the, that's the true. Jokes? Yeah, and you've seen you this know, book, the, so it all adds up, right? You've you've read the you've read the the. Uh, the ghost book, the, right? the owl, the so, owl. Yes, I read it. It's all of about you know six pages, but yeah, and creepy. Okay. it's like a it's a book for you know four year olds. Yeah, so I did read that one. I read other books too. I read books by you know John Mack and stuff. So, which um, one was better? Well, the, I think that the uh, illustrations are probably better in the in the uh, owl or, or oh, say oh, good answer. So yeah, so yeah, but uh, yeah, John answer. Mack uses. The, stuff like that. Yeah. So John Mack used a word, a term called reified metaphor, which is great. Now I have to look this up. I think reified means it's like a fancy pants word that like a, like a Harvard psychologist would use to say um, something made real, reified, reified, yeah, yeah. reified, something real and a metaphor made real. So like, you know, these symbolic experiences are, are happening to people and they are not in a dream cloud, they are they're a real event that took place. Mm. I mean, this guy Ben really ran downstairs yeah, really after, you know, and, yeah. and opened the door and looked up, and there was an owl in the tree branch. So the metaphor isn't some cloudy thing in a in a in a folk song. It is something that's tangible and, and actually invaded his life, and you know, and so. Uh, so yeah, who is the who's pulling the who's the puppet master pulling these strings? Is it a, a, a gray alien and not a UFO? I don't know, man. That falls apart when you really examine the stuff, you know. Yeah, well, there's always, you know, when it comes to synchronicities too, it could always be like a situation where I see I do sometimes fall back on sort of like uh, the, that, that that this some stuff comes from the mind in a sense. So it's like uh, maybe we're generating. We, 
Yeah, and if we're not generating ourselves, it's like this is I, – I, I don't know why I'm hesitating to, like, say this. I'm afraid, like, people – like, skeptical people are going to listen and be like, but oh, you're an asshole. But they've already probably said that. They said that a long time ago, so I don't know what I'm worried about. Um, but maybe, like, no somehow – Yeah. No skeptical person would have made it this far into this interview. They would have shut it off, so. Yeah. Most most of them bailed after the uh, – <laughs> after the uh, after I said after I said Kristen talked about God yeah and that's when yeah so oh God yeah um but like maybe there's some kind of just like psych maybe there's some kind of like uh, animal psychic connection that has nothing to even do necessarily like with uh, the other intelligence if you will do you know what I mean like where maybe it's just like uh, I don't know exactly. if, if you think about sure. an owl an owl's an animal that can somehow knows that it's being thought about. You know, and of course, no fucking scientist is going to try and figure this out or research it, so it will be left to speculate about it. But it's like, who knows? Maybe that's a possibility. So, so there's. Did you ever? Do you know who Dr. Kirby Surprise is? No, but the name rings a bell. Okay, so he wrote a book called Synchronicity. It's a great mm-hmm. a guy named Surprise writes a book about synchronicity. Okay, so I heard him on a bunch of interviews, and actually, you know who told me to read his book was was Red Pill Junkie, and and so he's um. You know, so he's. I wanted to interview him for my podcast, and so I sent him an email and I said, um, uh, you know, like uh, synchronicity. Uh, you know, like I'm convinced that uh, people have UFO abductions, having more synchronicities than than the normal population. And he gets back to me. He says, "Okay, uh, you know, you're you're reading this wrong because my experiences with UFOs and and that it's totally different." And I'm like. You know, so and I get right back to him and I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you wrote a book about synchronicity and you're saying that you've had UFO experiences? Well, you're kind of proving my point, aren't you? And then he said, okay, just read my book and we'll talk. Okay, so I get his book and on page, I can't make this up off the top of my head, it's like 247. I just made that up. On page 247 in the book, he talks about creating synchronicities. His premise is that the observer creates a synchronicity, right? So you do an experiment, you put someone in a laboratory, you throw dice, you do it a hundred times, and you're looking for a certain, let's say a coin toss. You do a coin toss a hundred times, you want heads more than tails. You can influence reality. It should be even Steven. It should be absolutely random, but it's not. People can influence reality in some way where they can get heads more than tails. And there's all kinds of, you know, scientific experiments that say as much. Uh, he does right. a much better... He's much more forceful in his arguments than I'm being right here. But um, So I get a hold of him on page 243. He says, you can generate your own synchronicities. You can simply ask synchronicity. Like, you can just ask it to create something. And then he says, I create owls. So he basically says, I manifest owls. So here's this guy, Kirby Surprise. Says he has UFO experiences. Writes a book titled Synchronicity. And he says he creates owls. I was like, so when I finally got, there's a whole chapter dedicated to this guy in the book. And the conversation, which I recorded, thank God, I had this long conversation with him. It shouldn't be aired. It was really, you know, he's a therapist. And he was basically, you know, talking me down because I was, I was pretty freaked out. This was early on in the genesis of the book. This um, is when you were in the midst of your crisis? Yeah, it was kind of on the tail end of it. I think I was a little better. I was like crisis with all lowercase letters. Let me put it that way. So, and okay. he was amazing. He was amazing. He had such insights into this stuff, and he had a clarity to to exactly the questions he should be answering. The question you just asked, and instead, I'm kind of rambling and going around the block a few times to get to the to the answer he would get in a few sentences. But yes, there is highly probable some connection between the 
I'm just going to use the term magic because that's as good as there might be some magical essence of the owl is capable of being summoned at just the right moment, at just the right instant. Is it the owl's intuitive, something deep welling within the owl? Is it like something like they have these really good hearing, they have really good eyes, are they seeing Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's attuned to some kind of part of the ether that we don't understand that like, you know, I think like when people think and exist and do shit, like it's like the idea of an aura, you know, maybe an owl can see auras that people can't. Who knows? I see. You're good. You're good. I say as much right in the book. Yeah. I mean, I say that almost word for word. Yeah. So, um, and if someone, let's let's just take this one step farther. Someone has been taken on board a UFO. And if, if, if my experiences of this alternate reality are correct or accurate, like I'm describing it, like it's weird and it is, you are zapped with a weirdness that just goes beyond all weirdness. Okay. Um, Shouldn't they come back with like a like a little aura that's a little different, like like the Korean photography guy? Could he take a right, picture of you yes, and exactly. know it? You know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You got like yeah, you got like uh, yeah, you got like a your 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 shit's changed. Yeah, you don't even know it, but maybe like something that can see that would make a lot of sense on a lot of levels too, because it's like people talk about being abducted all repeatedly and stuff, and it's like how would they? You know, people are like, how would they know? Well, they would know because they can see something about you changes, you know. That that your, let's just say your see. aura that's invisible to you and I, but maybe completely right. tangible to the owl. Maybe the owl is just curious, like, yeah, what's up? You know, and that's why it hangs around. So that would explain some of it, right? You know, the UF guy says, oh, my God, I've like, been abducted over and over again in this time of my life. And every time I'd come home from work, the owl's on the branch. I get up the next morning, the owl's still there. Yeah, that would answer those questions. Mm. But how, but how on earth did it know that Ben was reading that line in the book? Who knows? You know, that's the problem. Yeah, like someone, yeah. someone's tapping well, into reality. Well, there could be different things like, happening at once here too. You know, so exactly. But, yeah, the puppet yeah, master plus, has strings going all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, exactly. Like, like, like the whole thing. You know, I mean, the dog saw the owl first, or whatever. So it's like it's even. You know that that whole story is very strange. You know. Yeah, and that's one so, of the bland ones in the book too. So, yikes! Well, where can we got about twenty minutes left? We can go over the hour anyway because uh, I don't have a show tomorrow, so I'm not worried about breaking blog talk. But where where can folks get the book if they want to pick it up? Uh, the easiest way is just to Google my name, uh, Owls. It'll show right up online. Uh, you can Google <laughs> the Messengers. It'll show right up. The book is titled The Messengers: Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. Uh, it's easily available on Amazon. You can go to my site and get it. You can uh, link. Do you have on a preferred place? Is there it. a place where people can get, you know, a copy that you drew an owl in, like you know, an well, signed I, I, version or anything not. like that? They, they could send one to me. I could draw a little cartoon owl on it. But um, uh, so yeah. So the easiest would be um, Create Space or Amazon. Um, you, I mean, here's the best thing you could do: you could walk into your local bookstore on your main mm-hmm. street of your little town, and walk right up to the counter and say, "Can you order this book? It's by Mike Cleland. It's called The Messengers, and it's about owls. It'll come right up. They'll, it'll take them 10 seconds to search it out, and they can order it. And then the little bookstore will get a little boost, and, and Amazon will have to, you know, pony up the, the shipping cost for that. I can't remember how it actually works, but um, so yeah. All right. I don't want to put Amazon out of business by doing that. No, you're not going. To, we're not going to put Amazon out of business by, by okay. a local bookstore. So. 
This is from the Rich Dolan, Rich Dolan Press, Keyhole Publishing. This is from Richard Dolan Press. Yeah, he wrote the foreword to the book. He was, you know, I got to say, Rich is, Rich is sort of falls into that. Well, let's how how to say this. I got to be careful how I phrase this because Rich is a good, pretty good pal of mine. Um, yeah, yeah, Rich, yeah. You better. You don't want to insult your publisher. No, no, no. I'm not going to insult him. I just, I just want to make sure it's straight. I got to make sure if I'm going to like talk about him behind his back. I got to make sure it's accurate, right? <laughs> so he, so, so, so Rich is, you know, Rich comes across as this like dry, you know, even keeled historian. You know, he's on documentaries all the time. He's, you know, there he is. He's you know, talking, saying all this super smart stuff about the history of the UFO phenomena. He, um, he saw a, a presentation I did. Uh, the, the videotape of it, or like, you know, the, the the thing I did in 2014, which is not that long ago, two years ago, and uh, and he was kind of like, I think he was he was really impressed with it, and it, and it meant a lot to me. And he and right, and I said, Rich, I'm working on a book, and he's like, I want to publish this book, I want to publish it. So he's there the whole time, kind of holding my hand through the dark night of the soul. Some nights, and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so it's been too much, but um, so but he. Uh, I, you know, he, he fully recognizes there is an aspect to this weirdness that goes way beyond just little men in a spaceship, you know, little men yeah. in a metal spaceship. Yeah. That, that falls apart at a certain point. He knows it. And though though I think his, the body of his work frames it in a, in a more nuts and bolts way, that, that feels good. So I think he was eager to, to put this book out because it was a nice fit for what he has long recognized in the phenomenon that that is very, very trippy and weird. And that's, you know, that's sort of the content of the book, this, this psychedelic, crazy owl stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, that goes without saying. It's definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely the whole, the whole phenomenon is very like psychedelic. So I can see how the owl fits into it all. Um, yeah, and you know what? The, so, so when I started this, right? You know, so I figured like, oh, I had it's like, you know, so I saw some owls, and I had this thing, and I had this thought in my head, and like owls and UFOs. I mean, I recognize there's some connection, so you know, I'll just, um, you know, I'll, like, I'll write a little essay, and and then uh, it'll be done with it, right? Like a little magazine article, right? And I'll just, you know, be done with move it. Move on. Just move on. Yeah. What happened is, I mean, there's so so in a, in you know what happens is there's a lot of UFO books out, right? Big fat academic UFO books, and there's and many of them have a little mention of an owl here and there, you know. And in this research, I, I feel like I found a lot of those, not all of them, but I feel like I found most of them that are out there in the existing literature. There's a great Whitley Strieber has a great one in Communion where he talks about an owl on his windowsill the night he he uh, he has his initial contact event in '85. Um, so, so this, the, the owl stuff is out there. Like I didn't invent this as a, as a meme. I mean, it was already out there in, in the, in the literature, but, but what, what I expected, right. You know, so it's a tiny part, right. So it's all this weird shit in the UFO lore, right. And so there's, so, and, but the owl is just this little tiny fractal, like this little tiny pinpoint dot, like at the outer edges of the, of the core weirdness. And, and what I did is just said, okay, I'm going to immerse myself into this one little pinpoint dot. And what I what should have happened, right? Is I should have written a you know like a magazine length article and been done with it. It's not what happened. I just was like, it was a bottomless pit. It just went on and on and on. It just was there was so much weirdness with I mean people channeling owls and people talking to owls and people like yeah, you know, there's yeah. a whole chapter on dreams. It just it's like so what I what I did was took the tiniest little 
what do you call it? Like when you're mining, when you mine a vein, right? You get a little teeny speck of gold in the in the in the in the black dirt, right? And then what what emerged was this was this abundance that just just blew my mind. And so there's so I should have just come to a dead end, but that's not what happened. It just seems like the the the, the trapdoor is open, and I'm still falling in essence. Right. Well, like I said, we're we're. You said you have another book coming out, but it's like, where do you, it's just difficult to sort of like decipher where this takes you. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm a big sort of like, where, 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 how does this advance us? And I, I don't, uh, I'm not discounting your work. I'm trying to fit it into my own personal like jigsaw puzzle. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, is, well, so, so what I would say to that is how it advances us. This book, I feel I made a strong argument that there is something much more complex and much more mysterious at the heart of the UFO phenomenon than just little scientists in a metal spaceship. And my sense is it, it, it passes the boundaries of time because these, some people have owl events that take decades to unfold. A little thing here and a little thing there and a little thing there and it'll take decades to unfold. Someone, the, the script writers of reality, had to be very patient to, to allow these stories to play out the way they did. Um, so my sense is that there is a synchronistic, mystery, mysterious power within the UFO phenomenon that goes, that goes far beyond any simplistic explanation that someone at MUFON might, might want to like, you know, frame it the way, way the yeah. way a MUFON investigator would want to frame it. That falls apart. It is much more mysterious. I absolutely that's, that's, agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to like. I wasn't trying to marginalize your stuff. I was just saying. Oh like, no, no, no! I know. I get you. I get you on that. No, no. And I just and I wanted to be forceful in the sense that I wanted to say that you know, like, uh, uh, um, I don't know that like the the book does have a narrative flow to it. it, has a beginning, middle, and end. It does come to a conclusion. So. Now I take it that uh, well, we got about ten minutes left. You want to go past the hour? I'll go past sure. the hour. I don't give a fuck. So I feel like I've I've given you a lot of uh, leeway to tell stories, and I feel like I don't want to shortchange the listeners by having them miss out sort of on the conversation end of the <laughs> of yep. the show. So now that we've now that we used you know a, a healthy chunk of the show to sort of like set up a lot of this, now we can talk. I, Blog talk will cut me off uh, in an hour, so I promise we won't go any longer than an hour. And if you need to wrap it up, let me know. So I have a life myself, so I won't. Uh, I won't take up too much more of your time, but I'm enjoying the conversation, so uh, I want to keep going. If you if you're down, I'm down. Hey, is there a chance we, at some point in the in the after the uh, blog talk thing ends, I could take a quick break, just like a yeah yeah. Let let me know. Uh, we'll say goodnight to the live listeners. You take a quick break, and I'll I'll ramble about what's going on with the show and everything. So awesome, That's it's all good. We'll just I've had one minute break. So had, yeah yeah. Don't worry about it. We've had, we've lost a few. Uh, We've lost a few callers during the uh, during the show this week, so it's I've had practice in sort of uh, having to juggle. Oh, we it. Oh, that's right. You can live radio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've had plenty of experience this week, so that's it's all good. The British lady will come on in like ten minutes. So, um, but now I presume I presume that like if you even brought this, 
I'm like laughing because I'm imagining the reaction. Like if you even brought this book to like an owl expert, they would like fucking run in the other direction. But has there <laughs> been a- any reaction from, you know, whatever an owl expert's called, an owlologist? Uh, uh, a, an, uh, 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 ornithologist is a bird expert. I don't know what an, or, uh, an owl expert would be. I should know because I feel like I am one now. Um, if I was an owl expert, I would call myself an owlologist. It sounds badass. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but go on. So, uh, so have you have you yeah, had any? I have reaction? a funny story. I have a funny story where I told some of my personal experiences. I didn't tell any of the UFO stuff. I just said like camping stuff, like oh, you know, like I had this experience and I saw three owls two nights in a row, and then another time I saw five owls, and another time again I saw three owls, and then another time I saw three owls, and then I saw, you know, uh, yeah. So, and then I told that to a to a ornithologist, and he kind of backed away, like I was the you know the crazy uncle at the family dinner. Um, but uh, and then actually I've had a, you know like there was a couple things like I had to identify an owl feather so I I kind of know folks like is this an owl feather and they got back to me and said no no it's not an owl feather so you know that kind of thing I do know folks who could play that role a little bit so but um yeah I haven't got any reaction to them and I kind of like know better than to than to ask so right uh, you're not really going to get a good reaction no offense to the why why should you be offended they're the ones that are the closed minded people uh. But yeah, you're not. I, I I'd be willing to bet you're not going to get a good reaction from from a bird. You know what I? What, you know what I don't have and I need is is like a quick. You know, like what do you call it? The the elevator talk. You know what I mean? I got to have the the punchy one minute thing where I can sum this whole thing up, and I don't have it. It's 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 awful because it's a complicated thing to try to sum up like that. What sum up like your whole book and the theory and everything? Yeah, like someone says, so what's your book about? You know, and I got to be able to say like owls and UFOs. That doesn't make any sense. What's your book about? And then I got to be able to like say within a you know. A few within one minute, I got to give a summation of it in, in a way that catches their attention. I don't have that. I can't do that yet. So, you just tell them that you think that that there's like a parent, some kind of supernatural slash paranormal connection between owls. Well, connection between owls and the supernatural or paranormal or something. There's a there's a okay. supernatural paranormal element like to the to the animal. That's all you got to say. They look at me like. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I've, I've, I've done exactly that, and then you get a blank stare, you know. So, but well, what else are you gonna say? That's pretty much it, right? That's the that's, that's the, pretty much it. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the a complicated the, thing. So yeah, I, I I picked a complicated topic. Actually, the topic picked me in a way. You know? Yeah. I don't know what. I don't. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like I said, well, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get any help from. A bird expert. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not gonna. What, what are they gonna say? Unless they tell you they about like the, the folk, folklore of owls. Owls don't react. That I mean, owls are curious and stuff like that. You know, it's it's interesting. And I got I did. You know, one guy was very like, well, you know, some of these owls do tend to congregate a little bit like this, and younger owls are curious and stuff like that. So you get that kind of thing. So, but man, yeah, but they're not gonna go. They're not gonna go. Hey, you're on to something with this supernatural paranormal element to owls, you know. No, no be... I did, I don't, I'm not I'm not waiting for that. So I do <laughs> I do I do get it you know who I get it from is you know, people who have uh you know, there's been some folks that have read the book that have contacted me afterwards and said, you know, I never would have read this book, but it's just something about it intrigued me and I figured like where's this guy going? And I read the book and I was long time, you know, kind of nuts and bolts guy and then this you know, this book has swayed me to to, you know, look at the bigger picture. Yeah. And that feels great. Well, that's a good thing, yeah. Yeah, well, we're, I'm all about, you know, sort of uh, the oddities of this weird, uh, you know, 
the, the, the peripheral aspect of this weird phenomena. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just not, as far as trying to figure it out the way we've been trying to figure it out after all these years, that's just not working. So clearly yeah, there's something know, I, going on I, that's I spoke you know, to, uh, hard to explain. When I was in the throes of this initially back in, I think it was 2007-8, I went to visit uh, Bud Hopkins. And then he was he was actually quite ill at the time and, and suffering, and he was frail. And um, it was just a few years before his death. And, and, and you know, he attempted to hypnotize me. Nothing came out. And, but we had a long conversations and, and such. And, and he said, um, you know, I would ask him about the synchronicity stuff. And he was he's a really smart, wise guy, wise man. And, and I was mm-hmm. really, I feel really blessed that I got to spend the time with him that I did. But he sort of said, um, you know, there's these outlying things. And he kind of made this gesture, like and he dropped his hands, like a big, like something had landed on a plate full of water and it splashed. You know, these outlying things and kind of just made his fingertips like widen out. And, you know, and then, you know, these things just go everywhere. It's messy. And, but he's, he said, it's my job to take these things. And, and then he, he kind of like pulled them back together like he was making a snowball. Right? It's my job to take these things and, and try to make some sense out of them. And, and, and in a way, what he was saying was he needs to ignore some of the outlying stuff. And that's been just the exact opposite approach I have. It's like, man, I am like diving into the weirdest outlying stuff. Right, right, right. Well, we that's the emerging that school of... Uh... That's the sort of the emerging school of, of thought in the paranormal, at least among the circles that I travel in and the people that go on uh, go on my show and go on other shows, friends of mine and stuff. You know, it's like yeah. the basic the basic narrative is is hasn't gotten is us the anywhere, snowball so. at the center. Yeah, you know, we have this... we we can frame ourselves. We we understand the, you know the the, the 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 story that emerged out of Bud Hopkins' books. You know, but there's this weird outlying stuff and he knew all about it. I mean, I, there's nothing, there's, I mean, he could, I mean, he had all those strange stories. And if um, anything, the snowball could be, that's like the magician's trick. That's the, you know, they want you to, they want you to see whatever the intelligence is, wants you to see like the snow, but they want you to think it's an alien in a ship. They want you to think that it's aliens abducting people or whatever, you know, it's like, but while they're doing that, it's, the weird peripheral stuff is what they're really trying to do, you know. Could be that. In that weird peripheral. Like it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And what's the point of the weird peripheral stuff? I mean, you just sit there and you go, like, this is so freaking bizarre. Like, what does it mean? So here, so uh, I'll, I'll tell a story after the next after the break there. And, and um, yeah, yeah, we got like uh, like three minutes. So yeah. I think uh, so. Folks can get the book anywhere. Um, there's no okay, you don't have a preference. And oh yeah, yeah, let's the let's get the uh I close the window now. What's the give us the URL for the website, buddy? Oh my website is you can just Google yes. my name and owls and it'll come right up and but the my website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. And uh nowhere near as much as you have, but I have about two hundred hours of uh archived podcasts and I, I uh those are I'm very proud of those. I want to get back into it someday, but I interviewed folks like I've interviewed Whitley Strieber and and um, uh, Brad Steiger and, and uh, a lot of the same folks you've interviewed. I, I and I was um, and I actually have a lot of stuff. You know, this is actually something I got to thank you for, and I'm going to do this right here publicly. I I was um, 
I ended up being pretty good pals with Mac Tonys before he died. And, and it came from hearing your interview, which I'll recommend every single person listening here. Just go, go back to the archives. It's like 2007 or something like that. And listen to the, uh, the interview you did with Mac Tonys. It's amazing. It's two separate interviews. And, um, and, yeah, two-parter. Uh, yeah, two-parter. And, um, uh, you know, and then there's, I've written a lot about Mac and, and afterwards, after his death and before his, you know, so I, I broke my, I just, whatever, I'm still. Uh, yeah, it's tragic. It's, yeah, sad, sad, uh, sad. I'm just, I'm kind of loud because we're at the end of the show. So now I have to, I have to quickly segue from that to thanking the listeners in the chat room. Oh, okay, well, here, so yes. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I don't mean to be like, I don't, uh, no, I don't mean to be ridiculous to of the scenario. So, Cog, Flapdoodle, Jim Lydica, zero that. Thank you all for uh, joining us here on the show tonight in the chat room. Thanks to all the live listeners. Uh, Mike and I are going to talk for a little while longer here, so uh, grab the MP3 if you can, and uh, that's about it. I don't know what else to say to anyone listening live. So uh, I'll tell more about what might happen to the show after <laughs> after I finish the conversation with Mike tonight because I have some decent ideas about what what's going on. So on that note, uh, the live audience is gone. Actually, I can talk about that now if you want to take your break. I'll take a break. I'll be back in um, one full minute. All right. I'll, I'm not going to time you, so just go. Great. <laughs> All right. Mike's using the little boy's room, I think. Or he's got to give his cat its medicine. I'm not sure. One or the other. Um, what's going on? So tonight wraps up the four-episode marathon. I can't believe it. I, this whole thing went by so fast. It was unbelievable. Eight hours of material going on nine now. And I did that two-hour show on uh, Where Does the Road Go? That I guess they're going to post sometime this millennium on uh, their website. So there's more banal than you can shake a stick at. And I'm actually taping another show tomorrow that's going to air on Sunday. I believe. It's not official. So look on the Facebook page to find out about that. But since... <laughs> yeah, well, it'll all tie up. I was going to say, since I probably won't get this on the MP3 players for a while, and I'm just kind of uh, talking in circles. But the season finale... So this is episode 33, I believe, or 34. So we're essentially at the season finale mark. And therefore, it's time for the season finale. And I really didn't have any ideas uh, about what I was going to do for the season finale. But then this week, I kind of came up with somebody I would like really like to talk to. And I'm afraid that it sort of falls not necessarily out of the purview of Banal of America, certainly not out of the purview of BOA, um, but definitely sort of someone very different from the folks that we usually talk to uh, on the show here. And someone that I'm kind of, uh, I've been critical of in the past, but I, I really feel like the time is right, the the um, the topic is certainly right, for sure. So I'm going to see if I can do that. I'm going to see if I can make that happen, and uh, that would be the season finale. And who knows? I haven't even really put pen to paper to try and, get this guy locked in or anything, so who knows if it'll happen or not. Uh, but if it does, hopefully it'll be soon, and we'll wrap up the season. I'd like to get it all wrapped up by the end of May, and then when we do that, I'll announce uh, when we're coming back for Season 10. So that's pretty much it on the timetable. Sorry I missed so many months of the show. I you know, I have a new job, folks. It's taken up a ton of my time, and I really, uh, you know... It got away from me, really. That's the gist of it. The show got away from me. But 
Like I said on the very first episode of the marathon here, you know, somebody asked, is BOA dead or resting? Fucker, we'll never die. We're never going to die. So we were just taking a little rest and uh, trying to get acclimated to a new life situation. So I think that is the case, and uh, we'll see where the road takes us from here. Is Mike Clellan back yet or what? I'm back. I'm back. I've been back. I'm listening. So did you say who was the grand finale person? No, because if I can't get – if I can't – I don't think he's really oh, okay, hard okay. to schedule, but it's not like someone who's like a, a diva, I don't think. So it's not like okay. someone who's going to be like, hey, fuck you. I don't have time for a little rinky-dink show like you. It's not like I'm – I don't want to say – It's not Stephen Greer. I, I don't – no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, it's not Stephen Greer. It's not Stephen Greer. So why well, do I want to talk to him? Um, exactly. That's what, that's the clue, I guess. The clue is that I actually want to talk to them. So I think uh, we'll see if anyone can kind of like figure it out for the last four days. But it's really out of the uh, element of what we sort of usually talk about on the show. But like I said, if I can't, I'll tell people, you know, if it turns out I got somebody else for some other reason, I'll tell people eventually, you know, unless it was, <laughs> even if I, if I get a very rude response, I'll almost certainly probably tell people. I'll be like, oh, I tried to get X, Y, Z, and he told me to go fuck myself. So that's your answer, folks. Um but yeah, that's the gist of it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see who it is. But it's like somehow, it's a, something just sort of popped into my head where it's like, "Hey, Fitz," and I really kind of would like to talk to him. So we'll see what happens. So what were Great. you doing? Giving your cat its medicine for the night? No, no, I had to pee. I had to pee. I did go to the uh-huh. little bathroom. So I, I said that when you left. I said I wasn't sure if it was. I knew. And so I had to do that. I drank coffee as we were talking, which is very helpful. It makes me talk a little faster. So. Oh, I know. I know how it is. Yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. That that's, that crime was Michael Peterson. I guess he was a really well-known novelist, and his wife died, and that's the owl theory. And they made a fucking movie about the story of him of him allegedly murdering his wife, and Treat Williams played him. So it's a very well-known oh. case, I guess. Yeah. Did yeah. they bring the owl thing into the, the movie? I don't... I don't think so. I'd have to look deeper into that. I was Googling just, like, to try and find the name of the case, and then I realized as I got more on it that it was like, oh, this is a big, this is a big-time famous case, you know? And then I was like, holy shit, they made a movie about it. But I don't think that the owl theory is in it, but it it's worth, might be worth checking out. You can probably figure that out in, like, ten minutes looking online, but I'm not sure right now. So beyond, yeah. we talked about the... Owl folks, <laughs> but how is the how is the reaction since you put the book out? Now you said like originally, you know, you were kind of treated like you were treated. I wouldn't say with kid gloves. I don't know. You were sort of like uh, marginalized, let's say, by the nuts and bolts UFO folk uh, when you first. Yeah, and I'm not trying to win them over. You know, like that, I don't. That, that, who cares? You know, so like, that's like no, no, no. You know. That's yeah. That no, you, you shouldn't try and win anyone over. Um, the I guess my question though is it's like what's been the reaction from the UFO community and really the paranormal community and and just generally people who've like looked into the books. I find it interesting. I'm not, you know, you know I'm not sure like, what to make like, of it. It's sort of one of those interesting things where it's like you've 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 presented me with like a puzzle piece that is like completely valid, and I'm not sure where well, same where with, the fuck same it goes. Joshua, you know what I'm saying? Joshua like a very Exactly, a lot like Joshua Cutchins' book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he contacted me early on when he was working on his book and said, you know, like, okay, what do I do? 
And it was basically like, get ready, you know, like you're going to be like, you, once you start digging into this, once you pick at the scab, you know, like you're just going to be like, there's going to be blood everywhere in a way, you know, there's going to be, you're going to find so much rich information. And that's exactly what happened, you know. So he started peering into this thing. He was looking at food, which is like, I was, my first thought too, it's like food and UFOs, what are you crazy? That's, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And then sure enough, it's like this, it's like he, he tapped into a, a, a vein of gold. And there's this amazing yeah, so that book was a, uh, in a way similar to mine. You know, this kind of the, the most absurd little sub part of a sub part of an already marginalized topic. So, what was your question? Well, oh, so here's so here's so here's oh, yeah, what's, so what's the reaction so what to that? Yeah. You know, a lot of folks really like it, and and uh, you know, I'm not sure, folks. It's big. It's kind of big and intimidating. That was one of the mistakes I made in a way was to write a big fat book. And then, you know, I remember I talked over Rich Dolan, the Richard Dolan, and he said is that um, uh, he said, you know, this has never been covered. You know, so you, you, you've never, no one's ever covered this topic. So you can't just like do half a job. You have to do a complete job at, at covering this topic. So he was, you know, there's like this kind of uh, within publishing, like the book cannot be more than 220 pages or it won't sell. So we, we ignored that and then put a nearly 400 page book out. So, um, but um, what I found is the people who are, you know, who's really, I'm like, the, my email inbox is just on fire lately with people reading the book, like abductees. People who've had the direct experience are just like, oh my God, this book spoke to me. And that really means a lot to me. Um, so, so that feels great. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, if, if it, yeah. What do you need validation for from necessarily... Uh, the field in the first place. The people who see it, see it. The people who don't, don't. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like, I feel like, like you were saying about Josh's stuff and a lot of people's stuff right now. It's like, I think there's this sort of, uh, you know, if the 80s was like this big concepts thing where they mixed in a lot of shit like crop circles and, and cattle mutilations and stuff, like I think this new era we're in is, Maybe like people are really drilling down into the really finer details of this. Um, you know, what's in there? Who the fuck knows? You know, but there could be something really good in there. You know, there could be some, there could be some connection between what you're doing and what Josh is doing and what other people are doing, and it might come together in some way where we're like, oh, I've never even looked at it this way. So, you know, and that's a far cry from being like, how can we prove it's aliens? It's like, we can't fucking prove it's aliens, dude. We can't fucking prove it's aliens. We need to move on from trying to prove it's aliens. But we, well, what I can prove, not prove, I mean, I can prove to myself in a way that is that there is, there is something very real going on, right? Something very real. Is yeah, well, everyone agrees about that. I mean, we wouldn't be talking right now if that was the case. Yeah. I just mean, like, the idea that UFOs are aliens and it's like this whole narrative. It's like, I wish that was the case. I wish it wasn't simple, you know, but... I'm afraid it's not. If it was that simple, it probably would be over by now, or at least the mystery and the secrecy. You know what I'm saying? If it was just aliens coming here like like Europeans traveling to the New World, like, I don't know. I feel like I agree. it would, uh, it, that, that would be enough for people to digest, I think. I know that's the problem with people clamoring for disclosure. It's like, holy crap, I mean, like, what are they going to disclose? Like, that there's like an amorphic, mystical, you know, overlapping... Transdimensional reality that can can 
influence our, you know, our dreams, our thoughts, our future, our past, and make people do this crazy stuff, like, you know, way beyond just like driving to the lonely spot in the middle of the night. And there's plenty of stuff about that, but just like, you know, I mean, just like, you know, orchestrated relationships and, and, uh, just the, the kind of, yeah, it gets very strange. Yeah. It's, I mean, so yeah. So, what is the president going to do? Like, go up to his podium and say, like, oh, you know, we've, you know, the UFO thing that everyone's been talking about, and you know, we we can confirm that it's real, and that it, you know, what's the next sentence? It's aliens from another planet, or it's it's a it's a mystical cloud of unknowable weirdness. I almost feel like we are like just our biological makeup, right? We're these three dimensional things, you know, with we stub our toe on the table and it hurts and stuff like that. You know, we we are, and I and I sense that that whatever we're dealing with is way beyond that, right? They're, they're like, you know, are they some sort of, you know, I mean, they're just people, I've just the thought of how many people I've heard seeing these weird orbs like floating around their house. That is so common. And, yeah. you know, what's the orb? It's like this floating plasma ball of energetic, who knows what, you know? And so what's at the core of that? You know, is that a technology the same way a flashlight is a technology? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's puzzling, man. It's puzzling. Yeah, you got me thinking about disclosure and all that. Yeah, what, what could the government? Oh, yeah, do I don't that? want to go down that road. Yeah, I'm on board with disclosure. You know, so I mean, it's like it's a. I mean, either it's gonna. It, my sense is that the aliens are gonna hold all the cards. You know, my sense is that you know, the aliens either landed on the White House lawn and snuck in the back of the White House and told the president, you know, like, don't disclose until we tell you to, or, you know, like it came through, they, they, the powers that be got that same message through psychic means or, you know, who knows what. I think um, it's like, you can't imagine, imagine like if, if, if like all of a sudden no one knew anything about weather and they were just like, the, gov- the government came out and they're like, we discovered this thing called weather and it, the things in the sky, they're clouds. I mean, it's so complex that, like, no one could even – it would take years for people to, <laughs> to understand it. You know what I mean? I think that there's this element like weather that's with us that, you know, it's so complex and so vast that it's going to require, like, whole whole schools of thought. It already has them, but, you know, even bigger. And it'll it, – it, whatever this is, if it ever sort of gets realized, it'll be – uh, you know, bigger than any other science there is. As crazy as that is. I agree. I agree. And it's going to incorporate all kinds of stuff. And I think that, that the, you know, the astrophysicist is going to have to like, you know, get in his car and drive out to the Indian reservation and talk to the guy at the hut at the edge of the, you know, at the edge of the village. Cause I think that's where, from my opinion, that's, I just keep on coming back. There's the shaman thing just keeps on showing up over and over and over again. So, um, and that was, uh, I mean, Passport to the Cosmos written by uh, John Mack, published in 1999. I referenced that a bunch in the, in the book here. But um, he compared and contrast the shamanic initiation rites of what we would call primitive man or, you know, uh, um, you know, indigenous peoples around the world. He compared and contrast that initiation process and what is, what is being, account, uh, what is being reported in the UFO abduction lore. The implication being that these people are being that that the UFO uh, occupants Dots. are you know using their flying saucers to create new shamans by putting them through this indoctrination. And I, and I can't tell you how many people. 
Yeah, yeah, and I and I and I that would my yeah. so one of the things I I mean I literally just write it down on a piece of paper when I talk to people at this point now. I write down Reiki therapy or Reiki. The I, it just seems like in the people who have the owl experience, the people who see the UFOs, people who have the contact experience, that cloud of people, those three, you know, yeah. people have had owl experience, people have had UFO experiences, they're Reiki therapists. Not 100%, but it's enough that it's just, it just I, I cannot, I mean, the, ma- the majority of the people I talk to that have both UFO and owl experiences are also doing Reiki therapy. I don't know. What is what is that? Yeah. I mean, that's like a hands-on or hands-off, right? You just wave your hands over people and do like healing. That's weird. So the people who have yeah. these experiences are also having Reiki therapy, is what you're saying? They are Reiki therapists. They're therapists. They're I mean, actual Reiki life. Therapy. I mean, it's like... Wait a minute. So the they're actually who like licensed? Like they have like their shops house? and parlors, that kind of... Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, really Reiki weird. therapy is right up there with like yoga teacher at this point in, in our like you know in our new age yeah. sized you know modern world yeah so yeah. you know reiki therapy would have been dismissed outright a decade ago but now it's kind of like it's you know it's like it's in the same you know it's down the hall from the dentist at the at the little you know uh strip mall of of um, you know medical services yeah <laughs> poor dentists um yeah well that's very interesting it's very interesting. I mean, isn't that, what do you, how, how, where do you go with that? You know, I mean, that, the implication I is... I could go that into the aura thing. That could, be, that could go into that whole aura. I still think there's something to that aura idea. I that, do, that, too. Like, that good, yeah, I, mean, I should look up. I should, you know what? I'm going I'm to open up my document here and just write aura. Too many times I yeah, that, like there's... That, 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 yeah, that's something... There's like, like that old idea of like the unseen internet and the... We're all connected and all that. I think there's something there that the owl is tapping into, maybe, in a sense. You know, either the owl is is naturally responding to it, or we're even creating the owl. Who knows? You know, because we didn't get into this in the show, but I'm sure, and I'm afraid to even ask. That's partially why I didn't, (laughs) because I know you like to really lay out the uh, the information, but it's like, I'm sure there's a, an epic, long fucking history of owls and human culture, correct? I mean, that's, that's like... That, a, there's a chapter in owl mythology, yeah. There's a right. chapter in owl mythology where it goes, I mean, there's, you know, owls scratched into cave walls, you know, so there's this right, you know, right next to the bison, there's pictures of owls, and I have to think that, you know, Mr. Guy said this earlier, but the caveman, you know, had the same mystical experience looking at the owl that people have today. So that we so here's what happens. So so like I'm working on the book, right? So three years of this process working on the book. So people go, Hey Mike, what are you doing these days? I'm like, Well, I'm working on a book. Oh, that's it. What's the book about? It's like, Well, it's about owls. Owls, hmm, you know, like that's interesting. What what's it about? And then I and like you can kind of size people up right away and you kind of go, Do I drop the UFO bomb? And I'm like, No, I do not drop the UFO bomb and I but I gotta you know, so I gotta be polite. So I say, you know, I'm working on a book on owl mythology. And they're like, ooh, that's interesting. What do you mean owl mythology? And so then I can, and I, that's kind of my lead. Who are these so, people, yeah? There's a yeah? Big, well, people, you know, my friends, friends of my... I know, you know, you I, go know to I like your impression of them, yeah. I wish yeah, I well, had yeah, friends like them. these who, who give a fuck about what I'm doing, but <laughs> well, <laughs> who, would, who would be like, ooh, that's interesting what you're working on. Most people are like, yeah, all right, that's cool. 
All right, but well, go on. So you're working on a book on owl mythology and watch what happens. So oh, uh, you know, I have had three years of having to do that. Now I can't do that anymore because it says UFO abductee right in the cover of the book. So, um, no, well, you know, I actually went to a wedding a couple just just last week and actually carried a few things and actually handed a book to my brother and my sister um, who knew full well what I was doing and and. It was uh, was funny to it's like okay here's the book on owls and UFOs and here it is and they were both very happy to get a copy but I could tell that you know might who knows when they'll read it so but um, yeah so so the so yeah so there is a rich long lineage of owl stuff and it's really interesting and it's kind of still like the stuff that's appearing now is like the same story is kind of retold you know so that's one of my you know the the things that I try to argue is that um, that the same the same core phenomena that that showed up in with ancient man that created this owl mythology is still with us present day. It's still influencing us. You know, nobody cares about mythology and stuff like that. So it's just like everyone's you know it's like a story at a cocktail party. Someone says, "Hey, here, want to hear a funny story?" So, um, but my sense is that this that the reason those stories and those myths emerged is because of real experiences. And those same experiences are playing out present day. Very interesting. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right, hear a quick story? Sure, sure. <laughs> no, it's not so quick. So not so quick. So so oh, uh, do you know Susan Kornacki? Right. Have you ever you've never interviewed Susan Kornacki, have you? No, I have not. I'm familiar with her though. Relatively actually. Okay, yeah. I said I said that yeah, kind of declaratively. I, I haven't interviewed her. I don't know her well enough to Say I don't have an opinion. Let's put it that way. I don't know her. Okay, so she's she's straight up an abductee. She talks about it, speaks about it. No no ifs ands or buts. She's she's that's her reality, and that's she's stating it plainly. Curiously enough, she came forward on uh, the Jeremy Vaney had a show ages ago. Um, I can't remember. I think it was called the Book of Thoth or something. Uh, Toth, you know he. So oh yeah, he was on the Book of Thoth like way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he, I think that's when he spoke with Susan Kornacki and she came out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the thing he did with uh, Jeremy Vaney. I mean, uh, Jeff Ritzman, him and yes. did a show together. Paratopia. Um, I think that. Yeah, exactly. I think they they spoke on Paratopia and she just kind of blurted out, "Oh yeah, I'm an abductee," and it just you know he was interviewing her for entire different reasons and she just blurted that out. So. Where was I going? Okay, so I so she I I had spoken with her once before, and she kind of said, "Oh, I have an owl story," Facebook kind of thing, you know, kind of like, "Oh, I have an yeah. owl story." I'm like, "Oh, oh!" So I had to corner her and get her to tell this thing. So she uh, she has since been divorced from the husband she had at the time, but her husband at the time and her were on very good terms, and um, she has a little daughter, and she went to an Easter party, which is great, right? I mean, Easter that's like the, the transformational. Birth, the day of the, the Western calendar, right? That's death and rebirth, right there. So she goes to an Easter party, and she she uh, her back is bothering her, and then she has this crazy, like full body sensation that she said it was a Tesla coil going off in her spine. Um, you know, like this full on Kundalini awakening, like boom, right there at the, at the party. And she says, "I got to get out of here. I'm freaking out." So she runs home. She her husband says, "No problem. I'll take the, I'll take our daughter home, and I'll be home." After, shortly afterwards. So she runs home. She goes to her house. She's fully aware she's an abductee at this point. You know? So yeah. she uh, she doesn't know what to do, so she's kind of freaking out. So she goes and lies in the hammock in her backyard. She lies in the hammock. And so, you know, picture backyards in Massachusetts, by the way. So two trees oh. and a uh, hammock tied between the two trees. So as soon as she lies in the hammock, one owl lands at the tree at her head and one owl lands at the tree at her feet. They start hooting, 
right? And then all of a sudden she's got this crazy, like flowing energy. She feels like this energy being transmuted into her from these owls. This is wow. Like, it's really funny because so so these owls are hooting and her husband comes home, right? kind of a doubter you know so that's the way she describes her husband so he comes home and she's lying there in the hammock and she's kind of kind of you know like in the midst of all this and she's like what do you notice what do you see and the husband says oh an owl hooting in that train there's an owl hooting in that train it's like uh-huh uh-huh so afterwards she uh she becomes a, a an energy healer. I actually asked her, are you a Reiki healer? And she said, not really. It's not Reiki, but it's similar. I just was doing, I do like energy healing with my hands, which was like probably the best one sentence definition of what Reiki healing is. So, you know, I just can't like see it. as <laughs> Like I just picture this little circuit board, right? And you got these two little circuits plugged into the circuit board. And one yeah. is a, one's a positively charged owl and one's a negatively charged owl. And there's Susan Kornacki with a little battery, you know, situated on her hammock in between, just getting recharged by these things. So then there's a lot more to that story. This stuff just goes on and on. Things her grandfather has a funny owl story. Her grandfather has a story that, that he would tell where he was um, he went fishing one day and he came home from fishing and he's driving home and, and he's got to make a left turn. And, uh, uh, and this, all of a sudden he hears this, this voice in the, in the car that says, don't make the left turn. He looks around, there's an owl sitting on the, on the passenger seat. Well, and then he, and he gets weird. in a car accident. It's like a, gets in a car accident and the owl's gone. So he's like, did I ever really see the owl? Did the owl really talk to me? He's convinced that there was an owl in the car. So, um, so this is like a family story that Grandpa used to tell. So, That's and she's, so anyway, so so that story I receive on a Monday, right? So, so I finally get a letter for months and months and months of trying to get a hold of of, uh, of this woman Susan. I finally talked to her on a Monday. Tuesday, another story arrives. This 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 woman Kelly tells me this story where she was in her backyard. She's lying on her hammock and she's lying there. It's a bright, sunny day, lovely day. Also in Massachusetts, um, she's, she's, she's had experiences. She's very, she's very perceptive and very cautious on how she frames this stuff. So she's had experiences that certainly imply UFO stuff. Uh, Susan Kornacki's like, she's crossing the line. She's like straight up. I'm an abductee. Uh, this woman, Kelly, very cautious how she frames it, but she certainly goes right up to the line of saying, yes, I've had these experiences, but um, so I don't want to put words into her mouth and say something she's not. So she's lying there. She said, you know what? I've had all these strange experiences. I need a confirmation of it. I need, I, this needs to be confirmed. So she's lying there and she's, she's done this before in a way. So it's a bright, lovely, sunny day. She closes her eyes and she says, okay, I'm going to count down from 10 and I'm going to open my eyes and I just need some sort of confirmation. She comes down from 10, opens her eyes, nothing. She does it a few more times, nothing. Her little son, who was about 9 or 10 at the time, runs up and says, Mommy, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm just playing a little game here in the hammock. And so the little boy climbs in the hammock, and she sits with her little boy there together in the hammock. And, and, and she says, he says, what are you doing? Or what game? And she says, well, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm just asking for something to, like, um, to happen. You know, and, and I'm doing it, and the boy interrupts and says, ooh, ooh, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it. So they close their eyes, and without any prompting, the little boy says, dear God, can we see a UFO? And they open their oh, eyes, weird. and there's a shining, sparkling UFO on the horizon. Right? Oh, that's just weird. like the other story, just like the other story, the husband shows up, and 
the little boy runs and gets a pair of binoculars and then runs back. And the husband then comes out and takes the binoculars and walks away with them. So they, but they get, a, they both get to look at the thing and they're both like, whoa. And she describes it as a, as a crystalline diamond spinning in the sky. Yikes. You know, with all these colors. So, so, and it eventually just coasts off and they lose sight of it. So here's two stories. Both with hammocks, both in Massachusetts. I, I did a little map check. They were 44 miles apart. It happened at different times. These two women did not know each other. They were friends on Facebook, but I, they had never chatted with each other. Um, they were just part of this part of like kind of the UFO kind of cloud there that shows up on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I tell you, you put these pictures, photographs of these two women side by side. Uh, it looks like sisters, not quite twin sisters. Weird. Just, but I mean, it is shocking. Jeez. Yeah, that's really strange. And so, yeah. so here's like, and then these two stories arrived. Just an odd story, yes. Yeah, so these two stories arrived within 24 hours of each other, right? In my lap. I didn't, you know, like actually I did pursue Susan Kornacki because right, she the late, said the she LA out it to you on her own, yeah, unsolicited the second lady. Yeah. yeah. Actually, a friend of hers sent it to me and said, you need to talk to Susan. We need to talk to Kelly and hear the story. So yeah, so what do you, I mean, like, how do, how do you, how do you like step back and back engineer it? What the, the most, the key ingredient for me in these two stories is they arrived 24 hours apart. They arrived in my lap 24 hours apart. I mean, the hammock thing is, is, is so clearly part of the same story, but you know, it's just like, you know, one woman is, um, well, what are the similarities? The hammock, the, hammock, the, hammock the location, the appearance well, one of the woman in a hammock. Yeah, one woman in ha- sits in a hammock and manifests a UFO. One woman sits in a hammock and manifests owls. You know? Right. So there's this blurring between owls and UFOs right there. Yeah, it's weird. Very strange. Yeah. I don't have an and answer. The fact that you get them at the same time is like, that's the... I mean, one thing if you, you know, the skeptical assholes would be like, oh, you're reading all kinds of shit into it. But it's like, you can't really deny the... You really have to sort of like parse through the two stories and you see that there is something kind of odd about it. You know, if you, if you can't see that there's something odd about it, you know, and where's the fun in not pursuing that oddity? That's the, at the end of the day, that's the crux of like all this, you know, the fun of it is trying you know, to figure was, out what, so, what the well, puzzle means. Uh, Christopher Knowles got a hold of me and he was correct when he, but he's, there was, so there was, I kept on, like I was doing a lot of writing and a lot of stuff where I would saying that people leading up to a UFO sighting, and I have some good examples of this, people like were in a state of yearning, right? They're like, I, I talked to a lot of people like, what were you, so I, one of the questions I asked, like before the UFO sighting, what, were, what was you doing? It's like, oh God, I was so mixed up. I was confused. I was like in the state of yearning. And then, um, and then afterwards, you know, you saw the UFO and then, not, not, it would be perfect if all their life problems were solved. It's not, but they were forced to like, you know, dig a little deeper into the core of reality, let's say. Now, um, uh, Christopher Knowles, who you've had on the show, yes, um, the comic book guy, from, uh, also from Massachusetts, uh, he said, uh, 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 he contacted me. He was pretty annoyed. He basically said, like, you know, like, ah, you got to quit that. You got to cut that out. It's not scientific. And I was like, what do I care? I'm not a scientist. Yeah. And, um, though I actually did go back through and, 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 and I realized there were, there were more than a few occasions when I was trying to force the yearning the, thing into the story where it didn't really fit. So I softened that up. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, he was correct in pointing out that, but it was at the same time, I just felt like it was the perfect answer when someone says you're not scientific is like, what do I care? I'm not a scientist. Like I, I, I much more of a, like a folklorist or something like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's not our fault the fucking scientists won't do their job. 
You know, that's what upsets me with these, you know, sometimes skept- like skeptical people, they're like, oh, you're not a scientist. It's like, no shit, I'm not a fucking scientist. Get your get your scientist buddies on it. Get Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, exactly. I mean, oh, it, man. I mean, it, I think it would be a combination of scientists and millions of dollars. You know, I think we could make some good headway if we combine those two things together. But <laughs> right, it doesn't right, seem like right. it's going to happen, you know? So. Yeah, not, so not uh, people like me, some, like, you know, flunky, you know, artist who teaches people how to, you know, camp in the snow. Yeah, I mean, you let some lady walk out into the middle of the fucking desert, like, on her own. Like, yeah. what's, 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 she was sparkling. What was, how was I supposed to hold you? You can't stop that. She's sparkling. So. That's true. That's a very Steve Ray response. I like that. Um, all right, man. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here because it's 1230 at night, and uh, we've gone an extra half hour, and we could talk for Great. a while. Okay, good. I, I wanted to get that story in, so that was the, what well, I, I was thinking about that as we were talking. It's like, oh, you know, it's that, that story with the hammock. That would fit in really good here or so. So I got it out yeah. of my system, and so now it's logged on MP3, and it'll be there for eternity. So. I hope so. All right. Well, uh, let's plug the stuff again. The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. You can find that on Amazon. Just punch in Mike Cleland Owls. It'll it'll come up. And uh, one more time, the uh, the website, buddy? The website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. You just type in Hidden Experience and Owls. It'll come right up. Awesome, awesome. Well, man, I, we should have done this sooner. I know, yeah. Well, you know, so I, I didn't have the book to plug sooner. So once I started, <laughs> no, I, you, you weren't the only one. I was you, a bunch of, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Just, you know, I'm happy we had the conversation, and I'm glad. Uh, I hope I hope it was everything you expected it to be, uh, you know. You I, know, I, I, quite <laughs> honestly, you know, I no, no, I'm just going to, you know, you do, you ask better questions than most folks, you know, that if you're, you're like, kind of relentless, like, no, no, we're going to dig deep, you know, and you swear and stuff like that, so I, I do respect that, so. Um, I try to keep it real. I try to keep it real, man. That's uh, that's all there is to it, and I'm glad we got a chance to explore this stuff, because uh, I'd heard a lot about the owl theory, but I hadn't really, you know, I had heard sort of the the elevator version I gave you, that there's like this supernatural connection. Hearing more about it, it certainly is very, uh, very intriguing, you know. I think it I think the whole connection of animals and paranormal needs to be definitely more explored. So I think yeah. you're sort yeah. of planting a seed for hopefully a future uh, future garden. So thank you so for coming on the show, man. On deer. I don't want to write it. So. I'm not writing any fucking book on deer, but I, somebody I highly else. endorse somebody someone else. I also endorse someone else write the deer book. So okay. right maybe on. Nick Redfern can do that one or something. So, But anyway, Mike, thank you uh, so much for... Uh, putting up with my horse shit and, and, you know, actually wanting to appear. I figured by the time I finally was like, dude, all right, we can have you on the show, we can have you on the show, you know, you'd be like, fuck you, man. I don't want to be on your <laughs> shitty show. I've emailed you like 30 times. Why the fuck, why would I want to be on your show? You're a dick. So I'm glad you weren't like that because it, <laughs> it wasn't my intention. It's more of a, like I said, this OCD effect where I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, ah, no, I don't know. So... Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, keep us posted on all this stuff. And you know, I'm interested to hear where it goes. You know, because it seems to get more and more strange. It sure does. So, thanks so much. This was great. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Bye now. There you go, folks. That was Mike Cleland. The book is The Messengers: Owls, Synchronicities, and the UFO Abductee. Let me take a sip of water here. I seem to run out of breath here when I talk at the end of the show. It's all that emoting. 
Anyway, that wraps up the uh, four-day marathon. We even threw in a little half-hour extra bonus uh, part at the end because I wanted to get deeper, as Mike said, into into his stuff. So I'm glad we got the chance to do that. Uh, what's going on? If you don't know where the show is, it's banallofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. We're also on Facebook, punch in Banal of America. That'll bring up the Facebook page, like us. Uh, what else? We just did four shows in a row, and it's going to cost money. So if you can help us out, make a donation, click the PayPal button at Banal of America, or uh, send us a snail mail donation to the P.O. Box, the address you can find at BOA. As you've probably picked up from the last four days, I have not quit smoking. So that's one answer to the recurring soap opera of the show. And uh, what else? I told you I'm out of the little room that I was in. I'm on this awful portable phone. But now that we've wrapped up the marathon, I can take a look around and see maybe about getting like a wireless uh, Skypey Maboo. Because it seemed to work it the last couple of days, Micah and... Mike, we're both on Skype, and we didn't have any problems. So I'm not sure why that was the case, but that's a good sign. Uh, I think that's about it. I already talked about the season finale. I'm hoping that we'll get it sometime this month. It's already May 5th, so that gives me like three weeks. I'm hoping to get it in two weeks, but, you know, maybe it'll be in one week. That would be amazing. So I don't want to uh, hold out too much hope, and if that doesn't pan out, I'll figure out who else I might want to talk to for the season finale. So... That's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much. I really, uh, I'm really sorry that it took so long to get back on the air, but I've had an amazing time this week. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's been cool. It's been really cool. I don't know if I could ever do four two-hour shows in a row in a week, every week. I think I would go crazy or something, but uh, I certainly enjoyed this sort of like uh, this nightly feel to the program. It had a real... Uh, interesting vibe and and what i liked about it too is it really sort of challenged me to not repeat myself and sort of take points that i made the night before and yeah uh, you know sort of stretch them with the next guest i thought that was really interesting so who knows i'm probably the only asshole who thought that was interesting but i enjoyed it quite a bit and so maybe like i said i don't know if i'd regularly do this but i could definitely see myself uh doing another marathon sooner rather than later. Let's put it that way. So it's been fun, and it's cool that I get to just dump a chunk of episodes on people, especially all the folks who've been waiting for so long. If I just came back with one show, it'd be like, oh, all right, but here's four shows, nine and a half hours, all in one week. Uh, that should make up for some of the lost time. And who knows what comes next. <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. Thank you to all the Hardcore BOA Audio listeners. You know who you are. You've been with us since Season 1, Episode 1. Here we are, uh, Season 9, Episode 34. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, thank you to the newcomers who somehow have discovered us lately. How you've done that, I have no idea since we haven't done any shows, but maybe you've stumbled into the marathon and you're hooked. Dig into the archive. There's tons of great stuff there. Uh, and that's it. Hopefully you'll be hearing from me uh, not five months from now. That would be great. <laughs> so we will do our best to get you something in the uh, in the future that is going to blow your mind, I hope. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Thank you so much for listening, folks, to this enormous marathon. Uh, yeah, have a great Mother's Day, moms. 
And until next time, this is Tim Benall. Thank you for listening and signing off.